What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Big Nate. Welcome to Big Nate Short Story Club, home of the best short story clubs. And although every episode of Big Nate Short Story Club is a special episode, today we have a particularly special episode because we are talking about the first chapter of Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth. And this chapter is Hell called... yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. The, this was Myth in the Modern World. Myth in the Modern World. So, but of course, before we get to that, we got to do our opening segment. So, Elliot, for one, how are you? And on top of that, what book are you reading right now? Why'd you pick it up? And how are you liking it so far? I'm I'm good. I'm ready to talk about this. Um, so the book that I'm currently reading, I just had to go up and retrieve because I didn't remember the name of it, but it's called The Fifth Wound by Aurora Mattia. Everything um, about that sounds cool. It's really interesting. Yeah, so it's... It's not really like a story so much. I think it's like a sort of poetical journal in a way, maybe. Would we would this... we classify this as nonfiction or no? Um, probably. I'm okay. not I'm not super sure what the author's like life is or if it's like technically autobiographical, but it seems pretty autobiographical. Okay. It kind of tracks her like it's like letters to her ex, but it's really, it's not the way it sounds if I okay. describe it as that. Okay. Um, what is the fifth wound? What is that? I'm not sure yet. Okay. Nice. Yeah. How far, how far into it are you? Um, like 50 pages. I'm, I think the fifth wound is probably in reference to like the, like Jesus's side wound. There's Wait, like what a is kind that? of, like, so he got, when he was put on the cross, he got like, and we'll be talking nails. about this, dear listener. Sorry, this this yeah. will come up. I, I have a feeling at some point, but sorry, go on. <laughs> so when he was put on the cross, he had the nails through the hands, uh, the nails through the feet, and so that's four four wounds. And then some like soldier stuck a spear in his side. Oh, and so I he do has, know like, that. The actually. gash under his ribs, and so I think the fifth wound is probably in reference to okay. that. Nice, um, nice. There's a kind of pseudo religiosity to this, but. I'm I'm not sure yet. We'll we'll okay, see. Yeah. But I I really like it. I'm reading it because my friend read it and was like, "This is weird as hell. You got to read this." Weird is uh, good. Weird so, is good. Yeah. So good recommendation. Um, also, I love I, a I, I love a that's weird as hell recommendation. Yeah, that's so. those are the best ones. Yep. Um, and I just can't help just as a preface to this conversation, I can't help but think that fifth wound reminds me almost of the vultures eating Prometheus on the side of under yep. his ribs. And yep. what is it? The liver day after day. I don't know. It's just. <laughs> Just another parallel. Maybe I'm reading into it, but we'll talk about it. We'll, I don't. We'll, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so either. But uh, I mean, we'll, of all we'll the things to like, come up with parallels and be like, is this reading too far into it? Mm-hmm. I feel like the Joseph Campbell day is like the day. Yeah, go crazy, go crazy. So, yep. Um. Okay. Cool. That sounds good. Well, you'll have to yeah. keep us posted. Yep. Um. I'm reading right now the man, uh, man and his symbols by Carl Jung, but. Oh, I already nice. bring it. I already bring it up so much in this conversation that I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But I, that's okay. like what I, the main thing I'm reading, and I did just. I, I finished. We have always lived in the castle by Shirley Jackson. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was. It was good. I'm not going to lie. I was a little underwhelmed. Oh, really? I was a little underwhelmed. I'll elaborate. But like, okay. so for for one, just every all the Shirley Jackson stuff we've done, and just what I've read from her short stories is just like straight fire. Yeah. And then this apparently from two 
reliable sources. I think I mentioned it actually at some point on the podcast, but if not, it was like this this podcast called Marlon and Jake Read Dead People, mm-hmm. and they just read like crazy. And they said they both agreed this was easily Shirley Jackson's best piece of writing. Okay. So I'm like, okay, this is gonna be fire. Yeah. And it was good. It was like it was quite good. Don't give me. I gave it four stars on Goodreads, but I okay. dare say it was on the lower end of four star. From it was okay. just like. Was it For like what? a situation where the expectations were too high? Like, was I it don't know. Up too much? Or, it okay. could, yeah, it, I, that that might be it. But part of it too is just like I. The main thing is it's kind of like it's kind of like a slow burn kind of mm. thing. Because and we okay, so we've talked about this too, where it's like Shirley Jackson. Her her thing is like the subtlety, like yeah. how she's able just like these very specific details that just do so much work and like throughout the whole story they add up to like this weird feeling and it's just you can't quite place it and it's just like weird and like freaky and that's 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 what she does here but and she does that beautifully like it that's actually like that comes full force and i think that's why they like the book so much because like the attention to detail and the subtlety is truly masterful but i feel like to do that there was a like to drop the details in in like a way that they were kind of jarring meant there there was a lot of like it, that's where the slow burn part comes mm-hmm. in because it's like okay we're going we're going oh what the fuck did i just read we're going we're going oh wait hold up you said okay. what now and so but overall it was good and and the high expectations i think had had an effect but but it was overall it was all overall good like i said okay forced, forced, like definitely worth the read and yeah um, and it was crazy low-key like the, uh, i i can't it's one of those books you can't really talk about the crazy thing without revealing okay. what the crazy okay. thing is but it, yeah, it, yeah. It, did, it did get crazy it did get okay oh and there well can i say this? i'm gonna say this i would just okay. say there were lottery vibes at one point lottery okay. vibes and i can't I think lottery I vibes is like an exact like note in the margins of this book that we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah. Though. Oh my God, ritual. Anyway. Yeah. We'll we'll get to we'll get to all that, yeah. dear listener. Yeah. But uh, okay, cool. Well, that sounds good. Um, I'm trying for what comes next. I think we go into the podcast now, right? Yeah. Seems <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I've, okay. I've done enough of these that I'm like, yeah, I got the I got the I'm, pattern. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> exactly. So, but a little bit of background, of course. It wouldn't yes. be it wouldn't be a big nature or story club without a little bit of background content and. Um, this background is actually kind of interesting too. So, okay. The author, well, I'm going to say like the, okay. So, okay. Well, the power of myth, like the text itself is actually like a transcript or most, Mm -hmm. uh, most of it is a transcript with some added stuff of like this PBS documentary. And it's, it's basically an interview, like transcripted interview between the one and only Joseph Campbell. And then like a pretty famous journalist in his own right, Bill Moyers. Mm -hmm. And like the documentary itself just featured like six one hour conversations between the two of them, which like that's basically, I think, for the most part, uh, like the structure of of the book itself is like each one of those is like one of the, the interview sessions. And just for what it's worth, this is it is literally one of the most popular uh, series in the history of American public television. Like the power of myth, which just comes to the fact I think that there is something about myth that catches us, and, and yes. you know we'll, we'll talk about. It. There's something enchanting yeah. about myth, and for good reason. But yeah, so that's, just bear in that's mind. That's especially interesting considering his commentary on Americans specifically. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> I think it speaks to a larger craving of us living in the demythologized world. Absolutely, but absolutely. Yeah, we will get to all of that, yeah. dear listener. So. Um, <laughs> Also, okay, there's like a, as you go throughout the book too, um, 
because we're just like yeah we're just talking about the first chapter i think tentatively we're gonna try and do every chapter but yeah. anyway we will see that uh there is an emphasis there's like a weird emphasis on like star wars not like an yeah. emphasis but it's like an undercurrent throughout the whole story so dear listener we yes nice <laughs> we good. um I, I love that phrase so sorry yeah, yeah. i get to i get to do it once. yeah yeah oh um, no of course that's encouraging yeah. that just that just made you like official Hell yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yes, dear listener, we are recording this on May the 5th, um, which means that oh. yesterday, we, we were tentatively scheduled to, to <laughs> record this yesterday. Some stuff came up, so we didn't, but like, Big we Nate got, do it Big Nate got too drunk and too <laughs> hungover and had to reschedule. Uh, and that would have been cosmically wonderful if it was... I didn't talk about this, but I also had like a little bit of a breakdown about some school stuff yesterday, okay, so it was perfect. just as well not to yep. do it yesterday That's what we call me. a synchronicity. Yep. A Jungian synchronicity right there. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, but, so we were scheduled to do this on May the fourth, which of course May the fourth be with you, Star mm-hmm. Wars Day. So, and the know, spirit, the spirit of that is still here. The spirit <laughs> yep, of that is absolutely. still here. Yesterday just kind of didn't count as a day. I yeah, think. yeah. So this yeah, is, according this to is the, May the fourth, according to the academic calendar, yeah, today's May fifth, I guess. But spiritually, yeah, but spiritually, it's absolutely. Star Wars Day. Absolutely. And, I had but, never seen Star Wars until uh, until I was like twenty three, I think. What it, I watched it so long ago and so sporadically ago, I honestly remember so little about it. Yeah. But like, what what did you think? What like when you when you watched it? What were your thoughts? It was entertaining. It you know it's okay. it's a good foundational thing. I watched it because I was dating it's someone who was really into it, and so right. I was okay, like, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it for him. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> It has a story. Well, okay, we'll put a yeah. pin in all that. But yeah, but yeah, so, it does come up a lot in this. I was like, bro, Bill Moyer is the only thing this motherfucker watches is Star Wars because he brings it up like <laughs> frequently throughout the book. But okay, there is some context. His kid loves it apparently. Yeah, yeah. and it is you know Star Wars is is mythological, but mm-hmm. um, also it turns out that the first five episodes of like this PBS series were filmed actually at George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch. Oh my god! Yeah, so that's well, crazy. there you go. That that makes a little more. That adds. That makes more sense. That makes yeah. more, especially if you're watching it on like PBS and it's like at the fucking ramp. Yeah. It's like okay, this makes sense now. Yeah. And for the interest of viewer, the sixth wondering what happens with the sixth one. That one was at the American Museum of Natural History in New York, mm. which I went to. I believe. I forget because the museums in New York were crazy. Oh no no sorry oh, yeah. I for sure went. That was on some Smithsonian shit. But uh, any which I can't. I feel like. This conversation in a museum, especially like an art museum, would go mm-hmm. crazy. But also, this was these uh, the PBS documentary was filmed during the final two summers of Joseph Campbell's life. So, oh really? Okay. Yeah, and this book by Carl Jung too. They, when people are about to die, they should make some writing because it's like the <laughs> it's like the final synthesis of like their of their life knowledge. Because the man in his symbols book, I think Carl Jung did that like like old as fuck. Okay, and like he, I think he. <laughs> perished expired short short somewhat shortly after and this book is fire but i'll remember that if i ever get yeah. like a terminal terminal diagnosis or i'm like mm-hmm. 97 or something i'll be like all right it's I said, to get yeah, some, just probably get some stuff down yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but joseph campbell himself born 1904 lived to the ripe age of 83 i always love to see uh the intellectuals reaching their full age i yep. hate when they die too young yeah he was a professor of literature at Sarah Lawrence College, which I believe is an only women's college. Uh, I think and, that's true. Yeah. And he did comparative mythology and religion. 
And then here's another Star Wars thing. George Lucas credited Joseph Campbell as having a very big influence on the Star Wars saga. So just another piece of relevant Star Wars. Yeah, 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 it truly does. We'll talk about this too, but spoiler, I think all good art literature, any form of art at all, has to be written in some mythological tradition book. Okay, okay. We'll get, it. We'll get into that. Okay, yeah. Um, just randomly too, he was, uh, like, Joseph Campbell literally had, like, the fastest half-mile runner, or he was one of the ha- fastest half-mile runners, like, in the entire world. Like, Really? Yeah, it's just... Oh, weird. For, like, a long time. I don't think he is anymore, but for a long time. Huh. It's just, okay. like, yeah. That's and fun. You it have, is. Well, there, there's your, there's your uh, live into a nice age. Exactly. For you. Yeah, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna figure out somehow that's gonna tie into. We'll do some psychoanalysis to tie that into uh, the things that he talks about later. We'll go full interpretation mode. But um, he also, at some point during his graduate career, wanted to study Sanskrit and modern art, and he literally withdrew from the program because the faculty did not support it. And oh, I'm glad. Wow. I'm glad that he good did. For it. Him. He stood. He stuck. Stuck to his guns. Yeah. Get out of there. And thank God too, because the Sanskrit and the modern art is like relevant as fuck. Yep. Okay, this is where it gets really crazy. He was a close friend of John Steinbeck. Mm. Not only that, close friend of John Steinbeck's wife Carol. Not only that, he had an affair with John Steinbeck's wife. Carol um and he was yeah. their third it was just they had a little triad going. yeah exactly yeah from one comes two and from the relationship between one and two comes three which is all the myriad things which dear That's listener so you, you will that'll make sense later to you but uh no that is actually I like nowhere would I have expected John St- not like not only just John Steinbeck and Joseph Campbell to be good friends but then him having an affair with John Steinbeck's wife like that that is astounding it's amazing what Wikipedia can, can oh, do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just fine it's got the the secrets exactly are, yeah are all in Wikipedia <laughs> but um he also just j- this is just some people will probably find this interesting is he did a conference with the Grateful Dead because mm. at a Grateful Dead conference, he just saw like everybody losing themselves in one another, and yeah. like it, and like he he did the conference with Grateful Dead, and it was called R- Ritual and Rapture from Dionysus to the Grateful Dead, which sounds sounds crazy, but so that very means, illustrious. I, I career. could see it. I could see it for sure. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Exactly. So yeah, very interesting guy. I was gonna do uh, Bill Moyers, but I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> fair, fair. I'm sure he actually has a very cool Wikipedia page, and who knows what we missed. But you know, we'll, who did he have an affair with? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll get to we got like a few more episodes. Too. Yeah, Maybe yeah. On the we next can do one, him I'll for do. for chapter two. Yeah, or yeah. Something. But yeah, exactly. So okay, um, that's a little bit of background. Let me just start with um, asking you, what were your just general impressions upon reading this first chapter of the book? Yeah. Okay. So I came into this with like a small amount of baggage with okay. Joseph Campbell. So I had never read anything of his before, but I didn't take creative writing courses in college because the professor who taught it at my school was too into Joseph Campbell. That's hilarious. And I I cannot abide the hero's journey. That's so (laughs) So, funny. So I wouldn't take the classes because I had too much of a stick up my ass about it. That's funny. But, which I don't, I don't, I don't know. I had, I had a perspective as an undergrad, I guess. But like, I think the hero's journey is like correct, 
But I think I just find it kind of annoying to think about everything that I write or everything everyone else writes as fitting into some, like, predetermined structure and, like, how well it fits that structure determines how good it is. I, I find it Like, limiting. it's too formulaic. Yeah, it's, like, formulaic. Yeah. Wait, so, so have you read The Hero's Journey or The Hero with a Thousand Faces or, like... No, I haven't read that, but I just, like, I, I've... Just got the idea really into like learning about it for a bit but i hadn't actually i've not read the like source material about it but like i i'm very familiar with the hero's journey or at least i was at the time i've forgotten a lot of it because it's been a good like nine years yeah. <laughs> but um yeah i don't know which it's interesting to like think that something is is correct but also to be like man fuck this <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for um, one, the the hero's journey to me, just like the whole structure of it, just seems like one myth out of like, yeah, like you could argue like I won't say infinite, but like there's infinite variations of all yeah. these different general structures, and the hero's myth just seems like one. Like there's all these yeah. different kinds, but um, that's interesting though that like the creative writing teacher would be really big, perhaps like too obsessive about. Joseph yeah. Campbell and particularly the hero's journey I, yeah. I wouldn't have expected that but it kind of makes it I mean we'll talk when I say every I think all good literature is written in the mythological tradition it's it's definitely not in the sense of everything has to be written like a hero's journey yeah but. no I yeah for sure but yeah so I think that was like something that I that was all that I knew about him really going in was that he had this kind of structured approach to mythology that was extremely influential that I agreed with but also disagreed with yeah um so reading it I think I had a similar kind of experience reading the first chapter of this where there were things about it where I'm just like, this guy fully gets it. But yeah. other things where I'm like, but why is it so rigid? <laughs> um, so I think that's... Also, I think because it's structured as a conversation, there are things about it that are come and go that I think probably make more sense in or made more sense in Joseph Campbell's head but come across as sort of contradictory at times. Um, So I I had a good time going through and pulling the things that I felt like were contradictory and trying to make sense of them, but we can talk more about the details of that later. I I agree. I think, think, again, he has... My first impression on reading this is, like like you said, he fully gets it. It's like, this, this... and you, you you haven't read the rest of the book too, so it's like right. for me, I was like when I finished the book, I'm like this was literally the most one of the most insightful pieces of writing I've I've ever read. It so is. It yeah. so is. Like there's, oh my god. <laughs> ex- yeah. Ex- it, this but guy like, is smart as hell and like spiritually attuned and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I agree with some of the some of the specifics. It, like they are a little too like they can be too specific. Sometimes even like in terms of like interpreting symbols in specific fashions mm-hmm. is like you know it's like a very but yeah we we can get into all that but uh, but I think that's I mean I think that kind of. I mean, I, I would absolutely be lying if I said that I had never fallen into that also. Like, you know, yeah. you get, like, really into something and you're just like, yeah, I can pattern match this to all kinds of stuff. And it's like, exactly. well, you might be overreaching there a little bit, but that's mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but also, he's, like, he was born... When was he born? 1906. Okay, so there's, there's some things where I'm just like, well, eh... 
It was a I different feel like day thinking age. about marriage or whatever has developed a little bit since you, I had the same you were thoughts. writing. I had the same thoughts. Bit. I think, yeah. honestly, I think the, the core thing he's spot on, like yes. with the idea of like the, the, the marriage being, a, and we'll get into this, but like yeah, yeah, spir- yeah. the spiritual recognition of like yeah. another individual, like literally basically soulmates. But yeah, yeah the idea that it's like, cause he, and then this is, a, that's actually a great example because then he specifically is like, you know, marriage is between a male and a female and like that's the, that's how marriage sure. is and like, so. I'm like I, 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 I can see that. Like, do, should we get into this now or should I wait? <laughs> like, we can. Uh, let's okay. Let's put a pin in it. Let's okay, let's put a fair. pin in it. We we Real. now yeah, now yeah. the listener is just shaking their head. They said no. I wanted them to get into it right now. You're gonna have to yeah. wait. You're gonna have to wait, listener. <laughs> okay. Uh, but um. Okay. Yeah. To also, I remembered that uh when we were talking about the lovecraft episode the yes. uh the outsider i was like somehow the oh because we were talking about egyptian shit and then like mm-hmm. mythology mm-hmm. and i'm like if a listener has a book for this let me know none of my listeners let me knew let me know <laughs> but i did this kind of is the book you listeners come on <laughs> come on now respond to the call exactly yeah <laughs> but maybe they were in need of finding what book they yeah. needed to find and now yeah. i big nate and Elliot can pass on to you that is the power of myth is a great introduction if you're interested yes. in, in mythology at all yeah um so yeah and honestly this was funny too because I just like randomly this is just one of those funny things about just the contingency of life because it's like I was in Phoenix um and like long story short I was gonna go to the bookstore this one day and then I didn't and I ended up going the next day and like just on a whim because it was by like where the coffee was I'm like just looking around and then I saw this and I'd like actually heard of it somewhere in the deep recesses of my mind. I'd heard of this book and I'm like, oh shit, bro, myth, let's, let's pick it up. And I got it. And, um, yeah, that shit has sent me on a whole, whole trajectory. Like I am Yay. literally, I would argue right now I am writing a, a whole book just on like, I'll, I'll we can, t- pro- I'm sure it'll come up, but similar structures in myth science and mathematics and nice like, oh man that sounds really cool so it just sent like nice. that is my main uh, prior or like uh, like that's what i'm spending my time reading and writing right now is, okay is, and that's i can i it's it was this book like it, it was this that's book awesome that put me yeah. onto it so yeah that's really cool nice i i want to know more about that but yeah okay. uh, it, oh it'll come up i will for, yeah. i will shove it down okay. <laughs> the listeners' throats and ears, uh, whether they low want key. To. Honestly, like the first, the first quote, which I think is at the very like beginning of chapter one. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm like trying to figure out how I can put that on my like dissertation or whatever. What was like, the quote? Uh, people say that what we're all seeing seeking is a meaningful life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have some resonances within our own innermost being and reality so that Mm. we actually uh, feel the rapture of being alive. The rapture Um, of being alive. I love that. He, He gets it. The yeah. rapture and being alive. Yeah, yeah. literally. Um, yeah, but just throw that shit in your dissertation anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it's relevant. It's like, it is, it's, you know, very relevant to my research. So. Yeah, good. Okay, yeah. maybe, yeah, once we get to that part, maybe we can, maybe we can talk about that. But, okay, let's let's jump right in. I'm just okay. going to start with the very first lines. So, yeah. it's Bill Moyers asking, why myths? Why should we care about myths? What do they have to do with life? And Joseph Campbell says, my first response would be, go on, live your life. You don't need mythology. I don't believe in being interested in a subject just because it's said to be important. I believe in being caught by it. But you may find that with a proper introduction, mythology will catch you. 
And again, that's even what we were just talking about. Like, the, there is some, the listener might know this too. There's just something like captivating about just mythology in general and the fact that this is like, again, one of, like to date, to date, one of the most popular television series in, like, in, in history. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how he starts talking that's about kinda, it. I mean, that's kind of like how myths happen, right? Is because they're exactly, like, actually, just captivating to enough people that like speak to something that's just sort of common to most everybody all yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i guess you can't say all but yeah exactly yeah like one thing about okay so there's this quote on um this book i have by borges that i haven't read yet Mm -hmm. but long story short he calls the the dragon he says it's like a necessary being Mm -hmm. like a necessary being and it's like almost that's kind of related to the myth thing there's just something that like is captivating it at such a universal level that like it was bound to come up yeah like no matter what and that's what actually what we see literally like is, yeah. is what happens there's a um i don't i don't remember where this originated from but there's like some concept that that's been hanging out for a while that's like you can make do in a religion without a god but you need a devil um Ooh, i like that because it's like there's just something that you have to push against and that's sort of it doesn't have yeah. to be like a specific one, but just like there's there's some necessity for like some concept right. to like either go towards or push against. And like a dragon is a similar kind of thing. It's yeah. just sort of an inevitable like creature or monster or whatever. I say that sitting here with my like Satan shirt on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. It says Satan loves you. And then Satan wait, what's the pic- what's the picture? I can't see it. It's like a it's like hand. Oh, it's like heart. heart. He's making a yeah. heart. Oh, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that too. With like, I like the idea because one of the things he talks about too is like the the I for, actually okay, hold up. I'm, now I'm getting my shit confused. I don't know if it's in this or if it was Nietzsche or both. But the idea that like God, I know okay, it was definitely in this book because like the one conception of God is it's like you can't relate to him because he's too perfect. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like he's, he he's not actually some, relatable. That is why some people have a very hard time loving God because there's no imperfection there. You can be in yeah. awe, but that would not be real love. It's Christ on the cross that becomes lovable. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and that's related to this Nietzsche idea, actually, now that I did mention him. He says the, uh, there was only one true Christian, and he died on the cross. And it was, mm. like, the actual mm-hmm. historical figure of, like, Jesus Christ who, like, had the embodied form and truly did die on the cross. And then all the other Bible stuff after that is just, like, nonsense, he said. It, like, ruins the whole actual figure who jesus christ as an actual person was but um that's that's cool it's yeah yeah yeah. nature's such a weird guy because he's such a weird guy but then he's also like right about some stuff yeah or just like interesting about some stuff definitely interesting though the writing itself i don't care if he's dead wrong i'm reading it for the writing oh yeah yeah fascinating funny yeah he's (laughs) hilarious too (laughs) yeah he goes he's like i'm gonna die on every hill it's great yeah yeah exactly (laughs) even like opposing hills he said i'm dying on absolutely (laughs) absolutely But uh, Joseph Campbell goes on to say that one of our problems today is that we are not well acquainted with the literature of the spirit. And it's like, Mm -hmm. bro, just the literature of the spirit. That's what mythology is, literally. We're interested in the news of the day and the problems of the hour. We no longer speak of the eternal values that have to do with the centering of our lives. And it's like, that's basically, that really is what mythology and all these related traditions are is it's just like literature for your soul like i've literally even just described other like and when i do book reviews like siddhartha in some of these meditation books it's i literally say it's literature for the soul it just like and it's weird to even speak like we'll we'll get into all this but i want to write an essay on this where it's like it's crazy how like 
we literally don't even consider spirituality as like as like a thing that is important yeah. in our lives. Like so it's, few people consider that. And it's that. like it's almost a thing that people like think is cringy. Yeah, um, literally. Like if you like there's this sort of whole sort of stereotype of people who are just like, "Well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual." And it's like that's a thing to mock. And it's like, well, yeah, no, exactly. bro, like, I don't know. Like, that's kind of fundamental to life. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Um, and and yeah. we'll, we can get into this when we will get into this. But, like, I think part of it has to do with, like, the this over this this movement of like just in general of like rationality and science mm-hmm. and it's like spirituality does not fit in that picture yeah and because it can't be formulated in terms that like is understood in like the modern day yeah. and age it's like spirituality is just ignored it's like this it's hard is to literally make money off of it for that too <laughs> yeah and it's like it's but it's like dude this is literally one of the most important aspects of life yeah. like just you know like when you do like academia and stuff like you know like we have like our schedules no time gets just yep. as an individual you don't like like that's something that's not prioritized at all like, no just in just in no. and it's not even academia just in just in life like people yeah do not account for like just any anything of like spiritual value it's just like yeah not even no something. like the work schedule is very like you work you come home you do your like stuff with your family or like by yourself and yeah. you sleep and then like maybe you go to like church or temple or something on the mm-hmm. weekend but and people that's, are that's kind of it and that's that yeah. is not i don't think that's enough <laughs> it's not a fulfilled life it's not a completely no. fulfilled life but no. like the the illusion today is it's like it's all about like productivity it's like what yeah. it's like what have you done externally and then you can tell yourself like oh i am living a f- like fulfilled meaningful life because right. i've done this but while you're completely and that's all that's all valuable of course but like it's it's just like some attention does need to be paid to the soul to the, to yeah. like the spirit and Joseph Campbell is saying, you know, mythology is one of, like, the big ways yeah. to actually, like, get into that. I think there's an unfortunate, like, tendency for people to sort of conflate the soul or the spirit or whatever with specific religious traditions, which, like, that's one way to approach it. But I think you can kind of define it however you want. But there mm-hmm. is, like, some kind of gut feeling that most people seem to have that's, like, there is something about you that is like who you are what you are that like connects you to the to the universe in some kind yeah, of way exactly. and it's not necessarily like a thing that you can measure by like weighing someone after they died yeah. or like mm-hmm. you, that you're like improving by getting doing communion once a week or whatever like it there's a lot of different ways to define it but i think because people have it so like rigidly defined it ends up just sort of falling by the wayside if you're not part of a specific religious tradition yeah Um, yeah yeah, i agree and then there's even certain things i i honestly wonder if certain religious people are like so caught up in the specifics that they're not even being spiritually fulfilled you know like what i mean it's like i think it all ends up all of this i think boils down to like just literally dealing with in some way the fundamental mystery of 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 experience in life yep. and i think that's all that's what all that's the source of all religions that's the source of all mythology is just trying to make sense of like the absolute like capital m mystery that is the whole universe and creation yep. and just everything but he brings yep. up a good point too which is that like you know greek and latin and like biblical literature used to be taught used to be like a normal part of everybody's education mm-hmm. And he says, when these were dropped, a whole tradition of mythological information was lost. It used to be that these stories were in the minds of people. When the story is in your mind, then you see its relevance to something happening in your own life. It gives you perspective on what's happening to you. 
And it's, like, so true. Yeah. Like, you can imagine that this stuff was taught. And, like, this is the thing. It really is something that should be taught. But it's not because it's like, oh, there's no external practical value to this, even though there really is. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Do it, um, please. So I think... So, yes, like, for a long time, people did just as a part of your education, especially in, like, you know, European and European-derived cultures, there were, like, certain things that everybody knew. Everybody had read the whole Bible and knew all of those stories. Everybody had read, like, a bunch of Greek myths, a bunch of Roman myths. And that was just sort of part of the common vocabulary that, like, educated people could talk about. And I do think that there was some value in having those be sort of common touchstones that everyone could refer back to but I think that if you have everyone in a culture referring to the same myths there is like a it kind of narrows the frame of what people are capable of thinking about in a sense and so I think there is like some value in expanding that which will probably mean that you lose some of the the common core so to speak um because there's only so many things you can read (laughs) um but that also means that there's more fragmentation and like fewer common touchstones of of myth and i think to some extent i feel like the way that it works now that people have kind of aren't getting necessarily the same type of education in this is like everyone who has watched the same movie or the same show which is very different because those are like very ephemeral relative to yeah, like yeah. the Iliad or whatever yeah but, unless um, they're really good movies and show like in, right. but but right right we'll, we'll get into all that yeah some of them so do stand the t- but there's like value to that because they they can refer to experiences that like Oedipus and you know the Iliad and other like Judith and Holofernes and stuff like can't necessarily speak to so it, it kind of expands the public consciousness, but it also narrows it because people aren't aren't able to communicate with each other <laughs> on the basis of a common mythological language. So I don't I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like I feel like that's if I'm not mistaken, um, if I'm not if I'm understanding it, it's like especially with something like education where it's like very like you learn this, especially if it's mm-hmm. like you get a grade on this and it's like that. The danger is it might get like by teaching certain things it might get like too, you might get too specific with the mythology and that, right. that might be constraining and limiting. Is that yep. right? Yeah. yeah. So I think like that's something that comes up a lot when people are trying to expand like certain school districts, um, like the authors that are being taught out of like right. the sort of dead, dead white men. <laughs> Yeah. canon but like by adding in authors from other geographical racial ethnic backgrounds or like even like gendered backgrounds um you end up with with different a more expanded mythology that people are getting educated in but like different school districts add different ones and it's yeah, like how do you right. decide who meet who yeah, should like be in the canon even yeah, like, yeah, you know. yeah. no so, that's true that's true yeah. But I do like the general idea of just, like, myths being something that everybody at some level is yes. introduced to just, just in general. Because Definitely. these are, these are it's, it's like, it's, again, it's literature, it's literature for the spirit type thing. And then, it, like, I like the idea, too. I say that as someone who's like, loves mythology, by the way. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying yeah, to. Yeah, no, like, like yeah. there's even, I mean, there's a version <laughs> of it where it's just, like, this is something parents teach their children type, yeah. type of thing. And it doesn't have to be, because, yeah, school does have a way of basically, and Eve actually talks about this, how academia is just, Literally, I think to your point is uh, he says academia 
or specialization is the narrowing of the mind. And mm-hmm. it's like when you do mythology mm-hmm. in education, it's going to have to be specialized at some level, which like constrains what you're actually thinking about with all these things, which yeah. in turn defeats that's counter to the whole mythology thing in general. Yeah. But I do again, the idea is like when it's in your mind, you can apply the relevance to what's happening to you. Yeah. Because the whole thing about myths is like in some level, these are universal human problems. Yeah. That's why they occur at all different um, places and times and everything like that. Definitely. And so much like getting outside of like what is what is sort of the thing that the things that are taught like historically a lot of people didn't go to school but they still had like common touchstones which yeah. was kind of more folklore and mm-hmm. that's like that's a an unelitist sort of thing completely, which is what people completely. are taught sort of at home or among friends or whatever and that's that is very much just stuff that springs up out of the the general consciousness of humanity exactly exactly Um, yeah and then not to mention too even just like things like native american traditions where Mm -hmm. it's like that deeply deeply mythological but nothing to do with like in a school in a school setting you know but it's like that was fundamental to the culture and community yeah but in a way that was like not limiting like that yeah Um, It is weird that there's so little of that like currently like what is you read about folklore and it's always like the folklore of some other culture especially like some historical culture not like the current modern folklores they're like artifacts Um, like there would never be a folklore of like today a contemporary mythology or something which is so it just doesn't like that's such a bummer (laughs) yeah and i think joseph campbell is very much pointing that out like that's what he said like we live in a demythologized world absolutely and and we'll get to that but it's like it's like what happens when you live in a demythologized world well look at the fucking newspaper and you'll see you know like but um So he goes on to say, these myths from ancient times, which have to do with themes that have supported human life, built civilizations, and informed religions over the millennia, have to do with deep inner problems, inner mysteries, inner thresholds of passage. Which is true. It's like, when you think about it, literally societies are built on, like, mythologies. Yes, definitely. And and, and it's just like, yeah, it is, mythology is the source of all religion. Like, not, like, religions, you know, probably going to offend some people, but like object uh, religions are mythologies like yeah. they, they literally are they're the same stories across all different traditions like li- and we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about this too but people that get caught up in religions it's it's the what he calls the sociological function of mythology yep. where it's like that's where like the specifics start to matter and even though like you're talking about the same thing it's just like different specifics you have whole wars that are fought over that and it's just like a yeah. really actually like a tragedy and it's like you're they're taking the metaphor literally that's what yeah. it is they're taking the metaphor yeah. literally. His his point about that, like read myths, they teach you um, that you can turn inward and you begin to get the message of the symbols. Read other people's myths, not those mm-hmm. of your own religion, because you tend to interpret yeah. your own religion in terms of facts. But if you read the other ones, you begin to get the message. Which, like, you could be any religion, and like that still applies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, literally. Yeah, because they because all all I mean, hey, all religions are mythology, and it's yeah. just whether you regard it as like the factual mythologies or not is mm-hmm. dependent on what your particular beliefs are but yeah, yeah no it's, exactly. it's it's true for sure but yeah so yeah we have, there's a whole section on on just that but one of the things he says too about this is, is once the subject catches you there is such a feeling from one or another of these traditions of information of a deep rich life vivifying sort that you don't want to give it up and it's like again that's why people are so 
religious too and that's mm-hmm. honestly that's why they get so serious about the specifics it's because like this thing this deep rich life vivifying thing is like they're holding on to that and it's just they just the, by the cultural contingencies are just get very that's where it's like since they learned it that way it's like they, yeah. that they extend that enthusiasm for it to like the specifics yeah but um this so bringing in carl young now he talks about how he does yeah he does write that the specific energy of archetypes and we'll talk about archetypes but i would say mythologies are a type of archetype Mm -hmm. i'm still figuring it out but archetype is like something that symbols or certain trends that we have that are universal across time and history and culture and, and everything but so he says that they cast a special spell over us which i think is like very which is very true yeah and i think just anybody who reads myths just gets it for one like there's just something about it that is just fascinating yeah. it's hard just, to explain but it is yeah. it is it it's is i mean that's where the mystery comes in too yeah and it's like well we can talk about this too but the myths are always pointing towards something that can't actually be articulated and yeah. that's why it's so hard. That's why myths exist in the first place. Because it's like attempting to make sense of or explain or engage with like this deeper mystery that this you can't like you. It's just beyond language in, in yeah. general. And then I, I, I like the example of just you walk in like anyone who's walked into like a temple or a cathedral or anything where even just like an art museum that's just filled with like these deeply religious or otherwise like symbolic forms like you you do feel it's like there's a sort of mm-hmm. divine presence you know definitely yeah um okay real quick i f- dude i should have pissed before this and i've been drinking hella coffee today so <laughs> okay. i'm gonna yeah, early, early intermission i apologize okay. early <laughs> intermission <laughs> We're gonna. We're just gonna jump right back into it. Okay. So, um, okay. Now getting to what you said earlier and what we talked about. So the, this another reason, another function of myth is that Joseph Campbell says, like you said, it's because because Bill Moyers asks us at some point something about the meaning of life. But it's again, mm-hmm. it's the 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 what we actually are looking for is to feel the rapture of being alive. Mm-hmm. And he gives this example. basically talking. You know, someone asks the Buddha, that you know, what is the meaning of a flower? Right, like the idea. What's the meaning of life? What's the meaning? Yeah. The Buddha, the Buddha just lifts up the flower. That, like that, that's his answer to it. And then Joseph Campbell says, "There is no meaning. What's the meaning of the universe? What's the meaning of a flea? We're so engaged in doing things to achieve purposes of outer value that we forget that the inner value, the rapture that is associated with being alive, is what it's all about." Yeah. And like that's just that's just so true. Like just again even just at this level of like just everyday like working and stuff and like just, yeah like modern society it's like nobody actually pays any attention to like just enjoying life basically yeah even at, there's like this level of like you know yeah and experiencing the deep mystery of life but just like no one even it's all about like people have placed the value of life on what they accomplish rather than like how much are they actually yeah. enjoying the rapture of being alive how much are they actually enjoying and living their actual lives yeah and I think people end up like feeling very goal oriented about exactly. what what constitutes enjoyment. Like people are just like, you know, if I could afford like three luxury cars, that would be yeah. I would be enjoying my <laughs> that's life. That's a fulfilled life. Yeah, that's yeah, a fulfilled that's life. yeah. If I like have five kids, that's a fulfilled life. Yep. If I like can sleep with a hundred people, that's it's like yeah. 
I don't know. That's, I mean, maybe, maybe it works. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, soon, sooner or later, I think they find that though, though yeah. they lack a certain depth that, that myths do have. Cause they, you know, he says, how do you get that experience? This experience of rapture, right. the rapture of being like, he says, read myths. They yeah. teach you that you can turn inward and you begin to get the message of the symbols, like what the things actually mean in mythology. Yeah. And okay, here here comes Young now. So just his definition of like what a symbol is. So he says a because mythologies are basically composed of like they're just made up like the parts that make up a myth are basically symbols, I would say. And he mm-hmm. defines a symbol as a term, a name or even a picture that possesses specific connotations in addition to its conventional and obvious meaning. It implies something vague, unknown, or hidden from us. So when you take like some symbol like, you know, like the cross or like the mm-hmm. circle, it's like, yes, like there's the obvious connotation of what this like actually is, but they take on similar structures that point towards something, something larger, something like yep. mythological, basically. Yeah. And then he says, thus a word or an image is symbolic when it implies something more than its obvious and immediate meaning. It has a wider unconscious aspect that is never precisely defined or fully explained. And in fact, could not be. And then just related to that too, like there's this idea that like <clears throat> the the idea that myths and symbols all point to something that we like truly like actually can't completely understand. And that's what mythology and symbols are actually mm-hmm. for. It's like an attempt to just try and get a handle on this. Mm-hmm. I was reminded of this quote from Annie Dillard, which I think was in shit. It was either Pilgrim at Tinker Creek or like this essay uh, on also, you know, my dog has started chewing the toy viciously at this point. <laughs> Uh, I can't though, hear it. Yeah. But. Last time you said that, I'm like, okay, we're good. And in the in the audio, you you can for sure hear it. Oh He's man. Like, okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> so she said she said it could be that God has not absconded, but spread to a fabric of spirit and sense so grand and subtle, so powerful in a new way that we can only feel blindly of its hem. The idea that we can only like get at the fringes of what this actual thing yeah. is. It, it, that's what mythology that's what all of mythology really is like you can never yes. quite make direct contact with it but like mythology and dreams and everything like this this is like the best we can it's feeling blindly of the hem of like the ultimate mystery of life in the universe that's what all of this really comes down to and then that's related to that too is an idea carl Jung has of just the unconscious like just you know like right conscious right, right. subconscious yep. the whole thing is it's like dreams are actually a way of communicating to the conscious and it's like that's why dreams are so like random and in like you can never completely explain a dream right yeah. like no matter how yeah. hard you it's just it's just it's just one of those things that you can never fully articulate it and if you could it's necessarily not from the unconscious yeah yeah and and again and the thing with dreams I I too had more interesting dreams i feel like i have really boring dreams and they're like very mirroring of reality and i'm okay, just like man funny. where's my mythological potential here come on yeah now. yeah <laughs> Well, Jung would argue you need to just uh, everything you, you got to figure out. Everything in your dreams means something. That's what he says. It's yeah, not like it's yeah. not randomness. It's like no matter how weird or boring it seems, yeah. it, it stands for something else. But then, yeah, it I don't means know, I don't hard. like the DMV. Yeah, that's the deep mystery of life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fuck the, the DMV. <laughs> yeah, honestly, but, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that seriously for a yeah. second and say that like. I th- so myths I think I absolutely this like it it gets it's an attempt to get at something that can't be articulated can't mm-hmm. be directly expressed. I think there's sort of a lower level that is easier to express that myths get at which is a sort of interconnectedness of humanity with each other, humanity with 
nature. Like these are things that, that Campbell brings in as to what, what myths are for, but there are these sort of sociological um, nature related functions of it. And I do think that there is like a unifying thing in the culture of people hating the DMV that kind of like I could <laughs> talk universal. to the most opposite person of me from this country and like we yep. could probably agree that the DMV sucks. Like even if we can't agree on anything else. <laughs> no, it's um, it's true. So. Like cuz you could extract the DMV to be bureaucracy, you yeah, know. And yeah. everybody around the world across yeah. time. Well, it hasn't Ray been a Kafka. problem across time. I mean, we're we're yeah, getting coffee there yes. like, There's yeah. a reason he's one of the yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, like I'd have to think about it some more, but I'm sure bureaucracy relationship with like humans is literally like fits some co- sort of mythological trope where there's like some deity or god that like yeah. prevents some f- actual full That's just like the most point Okay, hold on. Could the DMV and bureaucracy <laughs> be a sort of trickster figure? I don't know. We'll put it. We'll, oh my we'll put god! A, Wait, we'll put actually, yeah, like it's very like the like the fae folk and stuff. Where yeah, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. If you find this specific loophole, you'll be fine. But otherwise, yeah, exactly. you're screwed. Um, and you get trapped too. Like you just, oh it's something God. you have to do. Like it's yeah. something you must. And act, you're stuck like a, there for like yeah, an unending exactly. amount of time. <laughs> and it's a transformative. Exp- you come out a different person, an angrier you person sure too. You surely do. This is myth in the lo- modern world, people. This is oh the myth in, in the modern world. <laughs> but okay, so perfect. Another yeah. example he gives of myth in the modern world is the example of marriage. So he yes. says. He says, what is marriage? The myth tells you what it is. It's the reunion of the separated dyad. Originally, you were one. You are now two in the world, but the recognition of the spiritual identity is what marriage is. And, you know, I don't know. I forget, I think he actually does mention this. But just even, like, the, the yin-yang symbology and all the different mythologies mm-hmm. associated with, like, particularly, for instance, like, with twins. A lot of, like, the creation myths yeah. incorporate some kind of... Yeah, some kind of aspect of twins, which are actually different aspects of one act yep. singular thing. And and the idea of marriage, real marriage, is the idea that it's like you have a spiritual recognition with somebody. Yeah. Like he talks about, he said, it's not a love affair. It's like this is an actual, this is like a, it's a really a spiritual union, reunion yep. with somebody that you are on a, on a whole other level with. And then he says, why is it that marriage, uh, and then Moyers and then ask, why is it that marriage is so precarious in our modern society? And then he says, because it's not regarded as marriage. If the marriage isn't a first priority of your life, you're not married. And he talks about how it's just like, you know, people get married, like they'll stay together for kids or they get married just because it's the normal societal thing to do. But like marriage today is basically the, the remnant of what was at one point a real ritual. Right. And the ritual has lost its force. That's Bill Moyer says that. The ritual has lost its force. Yeah. The ritual that once conveyed an inner reality is now merely form. Which, which that's I where that's with. where my note about the lottery is, by the way. Yes. Um, oh, true. Okay. Yeah. My, my lottery note comes later, but that's perfect. <laughs> okay, okay. Elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. Yeah, I mean, well, I, it's not particularly deep, but just like, the you know, the lottery, the, they're doing this thing. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a thing that they're doing. It's an ordeal, like, which is how he describes uh, what marriage is, is an ordeal. Um, but it's it's a, used to be for something. It's kind of not really for anything anymore. It's just it's just a shape at this point of, a, it's a fo- of yeah, an no, action. Literally yeah. the quote, that's that's I didn't even realize, but that's perfect. He says, but the ritual has lost its force. The exactly. ritual that once conveyed an inner reality is now merely form. Yeah. So yeah, they, they it's lost its force because they don't they don't even know why they're doing this. Again, it's another yeah. example of a demythologized world. Once yeah. you lose the re, like, because I think we were talking about how like you know conceivably, conceivably, 
the lottery as a ritual might have been something good like if it was connected yeah. if it was con- yeah. if it really you know if they were engaging at some level with like yeah. this idea of like if it made the yeah sorry no no just like engage like the the mystery of like the mystery of life or even just as mm-hmm. like an actual if everybody was really into it and it's like something where it's like okay evil needs to be purged like yep. you know because another big theme of Carl Jung and just mythology in general is evil is part of the equation here like right. evil and violence and anger all of that is is real there's yeah. no getting rid of it and if the lottery served some kind of form where if it was actually practical and everyone took it seriously and it was like yep. this status you know purge style then it's like okay that there you can at least make an argument for it but now they're like they don't even remember what it's they for. Just, like yeah, they, they just, they're, do just it. they're just going through the motions. It's which just is part of their day. Yeah. yeah, which is the analogous thing is here is marriage, where it's yep. like people it's like, Oh, I'm I need to get married because that's what everybody does and you don't wait till you meet your actual, you know, quote unquote not even quote unquote, like your actual soulmate. Yeah, it's not treated like that. It's just like, okay, this person does the trick. I would, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll like just because this is the next stage in life, this is what I do without even thinking yeah. about it. Without even thinking about it. And, like, specifically the sort of passionate love versus enduring mm-hmm. love angle on this where it's, like, they I think they talk about the, the two stages of marriage or something at some point where it's, like, yeah. the first stage is this sort of, like, oh, yes, I love you. Like, we're, we're sort of in a passionate infatuation stage. And then when that runs out, people, like, are inclined to get divorced because they're, like, well, that's what we got married for, but now we don't feel that anymore. Yeah. Whereas the second stage is this sort of entwining of, like, your your whole life is not about your individual life it's about your life as a pair of people who is functionally one entity and it's interesting to me for several reasons one is that like at some level it is kind of like waiting for a soulmate because he does bring it back to that mythological mythological tradition of like the two were separated Uh, spiritually and then you have to Mm -hmm. find your your original equivalent half but at another level it's like very functional in a way that isn't as relevant anymore I think because like historically I mean this is like about heterosexual marriage and like historically men and women had very different training in life um like they they you know if you're if you're a man you learn to do certain functional tasks that women just didn't learn to do and women learn to do other functional tasks that men just didn't learn to do and so in order to live a completed life you did have to have someone who knew how to kill shit and someone else who knew how to cook shit so like you kind of did have to have to have both of those but now it's like it's very true. Yeah, that functional really angle is kind of not as relevant anymore because yeah. people learn to do both often, or they can outsource it and like get DoorDash or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but no, so, that's true because even just with the yin yang thing, it's like you know they represent two different opposite sides of some kind of spectrum, and it's like yeah. the way to have a unified whole is by bringing them both in like together. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I wonder what he would say of like. Uh, like today now especially with like gender fluidity and everything right. like yeah. i honestly think much of like the spiritual recognition stuff t- is is still applies but yeah the yeah. functional role is the functional role is very interesting particularly back in like you know the old old days like the mm-hmm. old 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 days but yeah now i don't know maybe and it's i think still... it does it like makes it it makes it more significant kind of if you do have this like very functional reason to pair up to have this other sort of mythological angle where you like have to go through a ritual to like really cement that and it's like yes this is our lives it's a choice it's like 
maybe we love each other, maybe we're attracted to each other, but it's not going to matter if that's enduring because it's like this this bigger thing, but also it's a much smaller thing in that it's just purely practical. Yeah. Whereas if it is about soulmates as we think of it now as sort of having really good chemistry, that's yeah. a different that's a different kind of Thing. Yeah, like okay. Um, so in terms of the function, I, I think maybe because he, he he even says this, you know, old old r- rituals and every or rituals mythologies need to be adapted to mm-hmm. to the ever changing present. Yeah. And so one may, way of maybe looking at that is to expand, like you know, the functional role is like I I have this. It's not even like a theory, but I don't think people that are like too perfectly similar mm-hmm. can actually have like a sustained relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I think there needs to be some level where one person has something. At, at some level that the other person doesn't like I, I actually yeah. think a, a, a fulfilled relationship needs to like my rule of thumb actually is it needs like you they each person needs to inspire each other to like grow in some yes. way and that I necessarily have, I have, requires I have, I have psych papers about oh it. hell yeah okay but okay perfect so that is like <laughs> but a, yeah no like that is like a functional confirmed. role yeah, yeah like that ha- yeah. that ha- that, ha- that that entails some level of difference some level yeah, of yin yeah. yang some sort There's of like, like functional think, like, specialization the historical thing of it being like men have this thing and women have this thing you can kind of replace that with like different upbringings or different personality styles or whatever where like Mm -hmm. my friend was just sending me this meme the other day that was like every every good relationship consists of the person that talks to the uber driver and the person (laughs) that does the taxes and it's like that's hilarious that's yeah absolutely (laughs) no for real so um, but no, yeah. that re- that reminds me of something else I heard actually, where it's like I heard a good relationship. There's there's um, there's a there's a gardener and a flower. Okay. You know, like just kind of related to that idea. Either like, p- it, even if not in a practical sense, maybe even like a spiritual sense, people are serving different functions in a relationship. Yeah. Like, so any, but I I do think the idea definitely of just like marriage today being like just form, just mm-hmm. just. Like lottery style, we're just doing it because we're supposed to be doing it. Yeah, I think that way. And it's like also when you when you treat it at a spiritual level, at that level, finding a significant other is is like the work of a lifetime. You know, mm-hmm. Sp- like spiritual tasks, spiritual growth and development is not easy. Like it is to get just like find a partner and get married. Because right. he talks about like today you could literally walk into a courtroom, get married in like twenty four hours. It, yeah, it's not. No one takes yeah. it seriously. And then he talks Vegas, about like Vegas weddings. You know. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's yeah, exactly. Like super easy. But like literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he talks about how like I think it was like in Indian tradition, it's like a three day long festival. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, at that, yeah. you're you're stuck together after that yeah. point. You know. Yeah. So, uh, so and it, I think it gives it weight to like do that yes, whole exactly. ritual of it. I mean. Partly it's expensive, you know, <laughs> but uh, definitely. But also, you know, it's a whole you like immerse yourself in this whole experience of shifting your life. Yeah, um, like there's something in the actual ritual itself that contributes to to the unionizing of the souls that wasn't there yeah. before. Like the yeah. marriage is actually like an important. You don't just go sign paperwork and go do it. It's like no, you right. you actually need like for your own spirit for both of your own spiritual development and to just mark. It's it's a it's a it's a mythological right, you know, that, yeah. that that actually changes your psychology in a way that he talks about later with like um for instance like puberty rights and like mm-hmm. the um, yeah. like but we'll we'll get into that shortly. But that's another one of those things where it's like you actually need that ceremony ritual yeah. aspect. And I think so, it like yeah. it 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 yeah, it's like this marker of a of a progression of a shift, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. And also, like, kind of marking yourself as being a part of a mythological story. Um, like, you're, you've decided upon this myth for yourself. And so, I don't know. Marriage is always interesting for me because I'm, like, I'm, I'm very generally, like, pleased with being single. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard for me to get into that mentality. But, like, thinking about it as someone who kind of sees myself as an outsider to that lifestyle, like, it's... Yeah, I don't know. It seems big. It seems. I wonder. Like I wonder he would what need he. That. Yeah. I, well, I wonder what he'd actually say to that. Like, I, do, do you like? Do we think Joseph Campbell me- thinks that everybody must get married, or is it just like if you go through that process, this is what it needs to look like, right? Right. So I'm sure there's a lot of yeah. mythologies that like re- there's you know it's it's not, this is again where you can get bogged down in specifics where you start yes. talking about marriage. It's like oh, I, so I do have to get married. It's like no, there's there's right. it's just like mm-hmm. if if that's the course your life goes and you're going to do that then pay attention to this like mythological or like just this larger aspect of what it should really be. But I don't think he necessarily means like you, you must like, this is part of a completely like this is necessary for a fulfilled life. I don't think. So when I was, when I was reading this the first time, um, that was kind of off putting to me the way that he was phrasing it because he was, you know, he's like for, I can't find the specific quote. Oh no, I can um, because it's not regarded as a marriage, I would say that if the marriage isn't a first priority in your life, you're not really married. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it does have this very, like, prescriptive, like, this is this is what marriage is. It's, like, very important. It's, like, necessary to have this specific kind of marriage. But then later on in the chapter, he does talk about, like, equally valid mythologies surrounding monogamy versus polygamy. And right. they're both can kind of work depending on how your society is structured. Um, and so I would imagine that potentially that would also extend to, like, not being married Um, because there's certainly like there's a lot of religious traditions associated with like you cannot get married but also I I would if I was talking to him I would be like well hey man what if you had a mythology (laughs) that was about marriage that wasn't like that like you could have like an equally spiritually poignant story about marriage that isn't about full life entwining probably and that seems like that would be if you had a, a full mythology that, that actually did all the things that myth, like full myths do, that seems like that would be an equally valid form of marriage. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a different consideration. So I kind of, I, at first I was like, oh man, why are you doing this? But I, yeah. I sort of talked myself into it. <laughs> Yeah, so. I, I, and I think that's what he would encourage too. Yeah. Like, you know, this was also, I don't know, at this point, what, like 50 years ago or something? Yeah. Like, the times have changed, and he even says old traditions need to adapt to new. Yeah. I think, I think the main thing, I'm sure he would agree with, with everything you just said. There are equally valid approaches to, to marriage, but the thing I think he's pointing out is the idea that it's like, it's it's more like a criticism of today's Definitely. Ma- form Definitely. of marriage, yeah. where it's like, this is, this is just, this is just going through the motions. There's no real like spiritual aspect to it all or very rarely it is there right and when he says you know like if the relationship is not if the marriage is not the first priority then it's not a marriage Mm -hmm. because under his conception he's like you're literally like becoming one with this Mm -hmm. person it has to be a priority because otherwise it's it's like not like it's it's literally you you know at least under like this this conception exactly exactly but yeah. and then you know this and then this leads to the the next question Moyers ask, which is that what happens when a society no longer embraces a powerful powerful mythology? And then he says, "What we've got on our hands. If you want to find out what it means to have a society without any rituals, read the New York Times." Yeah, God. and it's like I can only imagine. Like uh, I, 
Like, I don't know what the news looked like back then compared to, like, what it looks like today, but I, I can only imagine the problem has gotten much, much worse. With yeah. just, like, completely yeah. polarized people, just, like, hate crimes, shootings, like, all... all like, it, it's... It seems like it's just gotten gnarlier and gnarlier. And, like, yeah. literally... I, I think he I, what he would say and what I definitely believe is like that actually is a result of like us not paying attention to like the, the spiritual aspect yeah. of ourselves and it's just like I honestly I'm I, I, I think I'm writing this somewhere but it's analogous to me where it's like there are just different aspects of what can uh, consist of a fully actualized life and just like mm-hmm. you know organs in a body if once if you don't pay it if one's not getting the the nutrients and sustenance it needs the whole thing is going to shut down in like a in a misfunctional way and i feel like that's what's happening with just at the individual and societal level is it's just like every like the spiritual aspect of ourselves which is arguably the most important yeah it was definitely the first one you know when you think about the history of like prehistorical humans and everything like that that was the thing that was what like when we fail to like pay attention to that there are there are real consequences Definitely. and it's not and it, it, this is why it can't just be brushed off as like oh spiritual mumbo jumbo it's like no this is this right. is what happens like right we, what happened when we live like he says in a demythologized demythologized world yeah and carl Jung has this quote too that he says just basically talking about this like he says i am not denying that great gains have resulted from the evolution of civilized society by which he means like you know the introduction of technology and science and rationality and all all that Mm -hmm. he says but these gains have been made at the price of enormous losses and i think that's i think that's exactly it yeah once the rationality science stuff comes in and like people stop paying attention to spirituality this we are seeing the price of enormous losses right now yeah i also i also think that there's like in this is i'm sure been a been a problem forever for humanity but like there's a there's a way of turning mythology into something that's like i don't want to use evil cuz it's too charged but like using mythology to underpin other agendas yeah. you know you can abuse um, it for sure i think yeah. Like, doesn't he have a part about like propaganda just in general? Like, you yeah. know, like capitalist versus communist propaganda. Those that's yep. kind of tapping into the mythological aspect of ourselves, but in a yep. way, in a way and that think, gets caught up in the specifics, you know. Yeah. Instead that, of focusing that on the whole comes thing. out, I think, also in a lot of like, I'm thinking specifically about like anti-Semitic mythology, honestly, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, like the the lizard people that like are in charge <laughs> of the whole yeah. world, and it's like that's that's just that's just you're being anti-semitic with that yeah. that's just a mythology that you've built up about like this secret cabal of like yeah people that run the world and it's like that's that's a mythology that's built specifically to like delegitimize a specific ethnic group and yeah. i think you see that a lot also in some of the some of the more wild stuff going on about like um, anti-trans and anti-gay like legislation and sort of mythology honestly where it's sort of turning turning that stuff into like this archetype of the the monster that comes in the night for your right. children right, or whatever. right yeah yeah exactly um, they're they're using really all propaganda and everything yeah. like that is just abusing mythology yeah kind of come to like think of it 
And then related to that, I'm going to bring in another Carl Carl Jung quote where okay. he says, contemporary man pays the price in a remarkable lack of introspection. But then he says, mm-hmm. his gods and demons have not disappeared at all. They have merely got new names. Mm-hmm. They keep on the run with restlessness, vague apprehensions, psychological complications, an insatiable need for pills, alcohol, tobacco, food, and above all, a large array of neuroses. Yeah. Where it's like, we still have our demons, we still yeah. have our angels, and we're just like, we just, by not, by not paying attention to what they actually are, we like we seek an outlet for them in all these other things like you know just abusing alcohol tobacco food like he said but like a large array of neuroses you know like is it is it is it is it a coincidence that depression and anxiety and all these other i don't know what was neuroses disorders whatever is is it a coincidence that they're on the rise with like this (laughs) like i could i would almost bet you could trace that shit directly to like in correlation with like how spiritually how much one practices and pays attention to spiritual aspects. I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. Cause like there, there's a lot of, and he, he gets into this, but like, there's a lot of things that have changed for, I think the better in society in the last 50 years or so, but there's also been a loss of this kind of spirituality mythology that people, you know, people have gained some civil rights and stuff, but it's not enough if you're also losing all of your free time to like engage in the sort of more spiritual mythological angles of life and to just appreciate being a person. Um, And what's frustrating is they're not like mutually exclusive. Like these these things can work together. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the critique from both him and Jung is that it's like, like when you're not paying attention to it, that's where like you, you still have all these same things. Like even just like you said with like trans people and everything, like there is a sort of like demonification wait demon so demonizing of them yeah like right like you're still using like these mythological things and then we're yeah. still like we're still seeking like spiritual fulfillment some which like you know when you don't have an outlet that's like you you like do drugs and do all right. like these crazy things because you're looking for some he even has like a part like you know what happens of like you know what what about kids in like some part of new york and he's like they make up their own mythologies they they yeah. have gangs he said that's why yeah. there's graffiti all over the wall and you know gangs have their own initiation rights and yep. all, like all of that it's like so it's like the the need for it is still there and it's all Absolutely. still like happening but when you don't recognize it for what it is you don't you can't like use that to your advantage and it's Absolutely. like we're kind of just like fumbling around as we go whereas like really there's a deep rich tradition of mythology that can only better psychological well-being but we just complete like we've been talking about it's just not something that's being paid attention to at all yeah absolutely and like he's you know he talks about we can't have a mythology for a long long time to come things are changing too fast to become mythologized um when you come to the end of one time and the beginning of a new one it's a period of tremendous pain and turmoil the threat we feel and everybody feels well there is this notion of armageddon coming and i feel like that's probably part of it like society is shifting really fast and so people are kind of losing some of these angles and trying to trying to find them in places that are sort of unstable or like not not quite right (laughs) yeah i think i mean it's actually funny like one of the things just real quick like one of the main mythological themes is that it's from or from chaos comes order Mm -hmm. you know and this might be like the chaotic era from which order will emerge yeah and it's it's like really it's really necessary to to do some of that destabilizing stuff i think but like it does come with this price of there's there's this sort of spiritual weirdness yeah yeah 
yeah. lack of yeah lot yeah. like we've we've missed it completely but yeah but this is just another example actually just everything we're talking about like he says once you have myths once you have these stories in mind you can apply them to what you see yeah you know like that's what we've been doing this whole time and like Definitely. that changes your perspective on things right and it's like yeah. but when you don't when these stories aren't in your mind you can't recognize what's actually like happening around you right when you, when you do once once like there does once if story and ritual and spirituality and everything is like a part of your actual life then like there that has actual implications for like yeah how you just perceive behave and just be in the world like it's it yeah. really has stakes it's not just like this is fun it's right like, th this has real implications another example he gives too actually was just related to like the puberty rights and mm -hmm. stuff yeah too, yeah which, that like, was we talked about where yeah. it's like you know and this is again the kind of going back to the marriage where it's like the ritual itself he talks about how like you know it's 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 regular for teeth to get knocked out for people to get like scarified and mm -hmm. circumcised mm -hmm. and he said so he said you don't have a little baby body anymore you're something else entirely and it's like that's that's like something that you cannot really like you know if you go through some kind of like physical scarification some kind of circumcision and this is like kind of I think the justification to like what have a lot of people have like you know they see these things and they think them kind of like you know brutal or like mm -hmm. outdated or whatever but it's like you know though those really the argument for those things is like if you do go through like for instance some kind of like scarification process it's like you are literally like a different person yeah you know what yeah. I mean like you cannot emerge from that ritual and still have the same mentality psychology that you did before yeah like for better or worse but it's like the, the right and same thing with for marriage you know if you have like this three-day festival of just like non-stop yeah. paying attention and incur yeah. like acting on this union of like spiritual identity like you know for better or worse you're coming out different yep. from that right from the ritual itself than than you were when you first came into it yeah yeah and it's it's it is like yeah it's it's an imposing order on chaos like yeah. you, like you were saying sort of thing where it's like the process of aging from a child to an adult there's no clear-cut time when you become an adult from a child so this yeah. this is kind of creating a binary out of a like not that sort of yeah. situation which is really important in a culture where there is a meaningful distinction between children and adults which there is yeah. in most cultures like that's sort of you know when when people sort of reach reproductive age or like the age to become someone who does a job or has certain responsibilities or whatever like it is you can't allocate those on the same kind of continuum as people you know getting taller or getting yeah, more exactly. mature or whatever so you do have exactly. to kind of impose that that distinction and i feel like it's important to remember it's like this was reg like this uh, this for basically a majority of the history of humanity was like what everybody did yeah you know it's only recently that we've kind of stopped doing this but it's like it's yeah. so there are just there are different sort of like phases in life that like one passes through and it, w when you when you miss the ritual yeah. aspect of it and it's not necessarily like you know like obviously there's going to be some kind of some sort of like wiggle room there but like if you don't have like that ritual itself like how do you know when does the child become the adult right and then mm -hmm. and then and then bill moyers talks about this um in corinthians he says when i was a child i spake as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things yeah. You know, like that quote kind of encapsulates what puberty rights are. Yeah. And again, when it's communal, it's like, you know, you have all you have all the homies, you have all the family, your entire community is here. Like 
and you are going through like like a genuine spiritual transformation. Yeah. That that changes you as a person. The ritual itself changes you as a person. And it's like we we have nothing like that. Like I mean, well, we do and we don't cuz some things that came to mind is like, you know, but this this is like us again like fumbling about without actually right. but like things things like, you know, just like graduating high school or middle school. Yeah. You're like, you know, you have ceremonies, you get your driver's license, you get you turn 18, you get an ID, yeah. you turn 21. But, you know, there's no I think no, if they I think if they had, like, given me a face scar at high school graduation, <laughs> yeah, I would, exactly. and it took, like, three days, and I yeah. had to, like, walk over coals or something, yeah. I would, f- yeah. I would have felt more like I had reached adulthood as a result of that, yeah, <laughs> if that had exactly, been what it was exactly. like. Um, Knocked some of my teeth out. Yeah. Circumcised yeah. me, shit. Anyway, yeah, but, this is a whole, well, so whole experience, yeah. It's kind of funny, there's, like, this paradox, which is, like, just the idea that it's, like, you know, we are in a demythologized world, but on the other hand, you you can never be in a truly demythologized world. Right. You're all, there's always, you're, again, it's, like, like Carl Jung says, we've never escaped our angels and demons. They're all still there. It's just like we don't recognize them for what they all just have new new faces. Yeah. So, but but it's like again, it's just like you know, there, it's a difference between having like a whole culture surrounded by it, or at least just having it be just at least a notable part of existence, versus like you know just not paying attention to it all. And it's gonna. I mean, that's why I think like there's so many like he says a large array of neuroses is because it's like yes. we, we need all that stuff and we're we're trying to find our way through, but like the the disconnect between like what we are actually seeking and what is available is it just gives rise to yeah. You know, psychological imbalance at some uh, whatever level you want to look at it yeah yeah no I mean I think like personally with when it comes to these sort of adulthood rights like that's something I think about a lot um just in my own life because I keep feeling like I'm not really like a real adult Mm -hmm. um which I am fully 30 (laughs) so you would think (laughs) that at this point I would be like no I'm an adult but like no um and I, I feel like I keep sort of creating my own, like, personal mythologies mm-hmm. to, to try to do that for myself where I'm just like, well, okay, this is the age, like, three years ago was the age that my mom got married. And I'm like, well, if she can, like, make a lifetime commitment at that age, then surely I'm <laughs> an adult now or yeah. whatever. But it, it, like, keeps, I don't know. I, I, I feel like... It's yeah, not the someone, same. Someone it's not the same. To, yeah, somebody needs yeah. to give me some scars or something. Exactly, <laughs> I don't know. exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's like, obviously, it doesn't have to be, like, getting fucking, like, scarred. But it's like that. It, but some, some there's a reason to get tattoos, though. Is like no, there's yeah, like, here's a permanent like marker that like hurts. No, that's that's and very. It takes I mean, tat- tattoos are literally, I think, like part of a, like back yeah. in the day were actual ritual. Like that Definitely. would you would get like a tattoo and stuff. Definitely. So yeah, no, that's 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 true. It's us fumbling about for what our soul is just is thirsty yeah. for. But it's yeah. just like you know, and it feels it feels fumbly because you do have to kind of invent it yourself. Like it's. Yeah. Or deal with whatever kind of piddly structures society gives you, like yeah. high school graduations, which I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who felt like their high school graduation was anything. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know so, what? Okay, look, metaphor time, metaphor yeah. time. Having mythology in ritualistic traditions is like having a map in uncharted territory. So Whereas true. Having, having nothing, having no tools, you're still kind of, you're still figuring it out, but one, tools can help you along the way dr- dr- drastically. Yes, absolutely. That's a great analogy. Good. Okay. Nice. Yeah. 
Okay, so just related to all this too, he talks about, you know, he says myths, he comes just coming back, he says myths are story about the wisdom of life. They really are. What we're learning in our schools is not the wisdom of life. We're learning about technology. Did I say wisdom of wife? With, am I, <laughs> wisdom of wife. Okay. You, well, I, mean, I probably said, said it life, normally. but that's great. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. not the wisdom of life. We're learning technologies. We're getting information. There's a curious reluctance on the part of the faculties to indicate the life values of their subjects. And there's a couple of things. One, I agree. School right now, it's not about really learning at mm-hmm. all. Just just mm-hmm. even even at a purely like like scholarly, like truly academic level. No, it's not about it's not about learning. It's about no. like ingesting information to repeat it back on the test. He says we're learning technologies. We're getting information. That's what it is. It's it's like it's just absorbing information and spitting it back out. And, and like, whereas I think real knowledge is like, I don't know, some, some deeper interaction with like the material than like what, what's taking place. But yeah, I have a, I have a pessimistic read on what school. Is. Oh, I have a very pessimistic read. But yeah, I, go here, ahead. So I think school is not about education. It's a really extended ritual to indoctrinate you to be an unquestioning grind set worker. <laughs> I, I I think that's right on point. Yeah. I think that's right on point. It's definitely yeah. not about actually learning. It's no, because people about don't learn. Learning. I mean, people don't learn. I mean, yeah. you kind of do maybe a little bit, but like this sort of learn it and spit it out on a test, like that's yeah. nothing. Yeah, exactly. And this is again why the it's important to keep the, like all this ritual stuff in mind because yeah, it really is just like you're, it is an extenuation of like high school or something where it's yeah. like you just are going in you're there to get a grade yeah. and like to and then to pass so you can just go get your so you can get your degree and then go make money because that's right you know that's obviously the main point of life yeah but they don't they also don't teach you how to make money like they teach you how to, how to just just that's do the, what okay, you're right. told but the they grind don't stone. Yeah, yeah like i don't i don't know where it's like normal to like be getting no sleep and spending all your time on homework and stuff so it's that when so you bad. do get to the workforce oh yeah this is normal yeah. to it's normal to spend my entire life working yeah. and have like two days on the weekend can you can you work all... the weekend this weekend it's like yeah, well yeah because yeah. i used to do homework on the weekends yeah like, exactly exactly God. no i like yeah. it i i think that's i think that's on point but yeah. Um, also, the, the reluctance, like the reluctance of the part of the faculties to indicate the life values of their subjects. One thing I noticed about reading academic articles is like, mm-hmm. why is this important? You know, like yeah. why? What does this actually like matter for? Yeah. And, and like, there's arguments to be made on on all of that, but it is like very little attention is paid to the question like why. Yeah. You know what I mean, which is kind of the most important of yep. of the question. Yep. And then again, this is where we get the quote that specialization basically it just t- limits what you pay attention to, and therefore specialization is is the narrowing of the mind. Yep. And then he talks about how him being a generalist is like okay, you and he he talks about obviously you need specialists at some level, like you know, right? A lot all these myths are the real true myths are written in their own you, special languages and everything. Like you can't just learn all the languages of the world and then like right. you know, it's like obviously you can't do so. Special some degree of specialization is is necessary. But then he talks about how, like, him being a generalist, he says, he's like, you know, he's like, oh, what do you know? Like, I looked at what this specialist came up with and what this specialist came up with, and they look very similar. And, yep. but, you know, that's the only, that's the benefit of this, this uh, generalist. Yep. Like, they can take You can't have back. only specialists. Like, yeah. yeah. And you can't have only generalists. Too, right. You know, right. so, but, but, like, that's one, but academia is all special. It's like, 
I think if he could see academia today, it's like, what, let me ask one variation of this variation of this variation of yeah. this specific experimental paradigm. And it's like, yeah, yeah. that, like that, the narrowing of the mind thing just comes, comes loud yeah. and clear. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, related to this, I know, yeah, fucking academia, bro. <laughs> this, but, is, um, this is part of, just as an aside, this probably won't make the cut for the actual episode, but I feel like this is part of the will. advantage of where I live in academia because it's so kind of, like, weirdly interdisciplinary with, like, this yeah. literature stuff where it's, like... I know, we need kinda, to talk about you that You kind of have to get into philosophy a little bit yeah, in order babe. to even do it, which I'm just, like, thank thank God. <laughs> like, I yeah. couldn't, I could not just do, like, the same paradigm. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're at like a you're at the nice intersection of like psychology, literature, philosophy. Yeah, which I'm very thankful that I have managed to find a space that is okay with that for the moment. Yeah, like there are there is plenty of wiggle. Like when I say all about like academia, no, I know plenty of wiggle room, but the general like every situation is different too, and everything. But like, and obviously, really good stuff does get done in academia, like really good stuff. But it's just like generally yeah the overall climate of absolutely cause, and it's funny because like uh, you read you read like old papers like the og papers yeah and it's like it's like they don't cite shit you know no, like yeah they just like because it's like uh, to the listener may not be acquainted with it but like when you read a paper it's like e- today every single little tiny claim you make has to have like five studies yeah. to back it up and like you have to cite it, and it completely de- fucks up all the flow and ideas and everything. Not to mention just constraining what you're even allowed to do. But yeah. then back in the day, they're just like everybody knows that this is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> no citation yeah. or like one citation. But they're according like not to, wrong. According to such too. and such like, myth, which we yeah. all are familiar with, like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as we all know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as you we know, all sometimes know, marriage it is. is about the, the yeah. union of two. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Sometimes it is common sense. Oh, you know, like, you know, sometimes you obviously you do like, okay, this could uh, like, no lie. Sometimes when I'm reading Carl Jung, I'm like, okay, uh, like yeah. that's, a, that was a big claim there. <laughs> like, like it, some citations would be nice, but like, yeah. you know, anyway, the idea now it's like, bro, you cannot write a sentence in these fucking papers without giving a whole list of evidence to back it up. And that's where the specialization comes in. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, if you tried to write something that wasn't like that, yeah. it won't get published. Literally Absolutely. it won't get published. Absolutely not. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's like, that's again, that's just the thing of the, the narrowing of the mind. And then yep. as he's talking about the generalist thing, he basically talks about how he was grown up like Roman Catholic. And, um, that's kind of how he started to get into myth is like, you know, one thing, one thing about that is, you know, it teaches you to take myth seriously. And he says to let it operate on your life and to live in terms of these mythic motifs. And he has all these ceremonies throughout the year, and he says keeps in mind the eternal. Really is good about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's why people are so like with it, you know. Like, yeah. That's why it's so. And, and like the beauty of the cathedral. Like I don't care mm-hmm. who you are, if you walk into a cathedral, that shit is spiritual. Like yes. you don't you don't need to be believe in like the Catholic God for the beauty of a cathedral to hit yep. you at some deeper level. Yeah. But then he talks about how he was doing that, and then he started reading American Indian myths, and he mm-hmm. says like he's like okay. These are actually uh, pretty similar, and then yeah. he gets into oh, grad. Yeah. He gets into grad school. He's doing Hinduism, <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, here it is again." And then he talks about in grad school. He was doing the Arthurian medieval stuff, and he's yeah. like, "And then he said, you can't tell me that these are not the same stories. I've been with them all my life. The themes are timeless, and the inflection is to the culture." And that is like that's one of those sentences again. This fucker gets it. It's yes. like it is all universal, and there's different versions of it. There's different aspects of it, manifestations of yep. it. But it's all the same thing. Yeah, it's all the same fundamental stories, which is just like the universal problems of of life. 
which like well leads me to the next thing which is he says mythology teaches you what's behind literature and the arts it teaches you about your own life um and then like basically yeah the idea that like everything about literature and art is ultimately i think mythological and what i mean is i think i think mythological in the sense of no it doesn't have to follow like the hero myth formula like it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be like that would i think even defeat the whole purpose but Mm -hmm. it has to be in some level universal to the human experience Mm -hmm. Like yeah. a lot of this is kind of my beef with a lot of contemporary literature is it's like it's just this is also I realized ultimately my beef with like this pet peeve I have in writing where it's like when authors talk about like brands like you know I pulled up Twitter yes. I pulled up Instagram yes. it's like that's not mythological bro no. because it's no. gonna it's gonna it's gonna come and go it's gonna yeah. come and go with the wind there's nothing there's nothing real and enduring about that yeah whereas like all the og classic texts it's like it's all really in many ways again it actually is all the same story obviously yeah. there's there it's obviously not the same story but in in the mythological sense all of modern literature all the classic literature all of just even you could even say like you know like og like you know the iliad and all, mm-hmm. way back then all of that is just this variations of of myths at, yeah. at some basic level when you yeah. understand myths to just be stories of like universal stories of of like humanity and human definitely. life and the mystery of life definitely yeah and like so he's he's talking about like the the things this is going sort of back to the you know is is god lovable versus is jesus yeah, lovable right. but like um the only way okay the writer must be true to truth and that's a killer because the only way that you can describe a human being truly is by describing his imperfections Mm -hmm. um the perfect human being is uninteresting the buddha who leads the world you know it is the imperfections of life that are lovable that i had to spend some time with that because like i completely agree but at a certain point i'm like is that at odds with this sort of concept that good literature or like enduring literature or whatever has to has to speak to some kind of universal experience. And I don't think so. I think, like, even if you're talking about, like, very specific experiences, there's a common experience of, like, brushing your teeth. You know, like, that's very mundane. But, like, there's still something... It doesn't feel mythic, but there's something sort of universal about that, that that speaks to... You know, it's like the DMV. There speaks speaks to something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm still I'm still a little bit chewing on that, but it's yeah. I like. I mean, the whole thing too of just like, I I even like just the idea of like imperfection. Yeah, there's like a universal aspect to like certain things, but then there's this idea of like imperfection. Yeah. With like God and everything, and honestly, my full, cause my full theory is it's like I honestly wonder if like suffering is a necessary which is like related to imperfection and everything mm-hmm. like is is a part of like beauty a mm-hmm. part of like mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. you know it's like because because you know evil and violence and bad all of that's obviously like not like suffering and misery in the world is bad but then it's like in, because and carl Jung has a great quote about this too he's like there there it's like he says life is a battleground you can't you can't have like night and day good and bad beauty and misery you can't have one without the other and it's like it's kind of it's like it's almost like suffering is necessary for beauty to exist at all like think of all the good literature 
like it literally doesn't exist without some degree of, of suffering or conflict of, imp- of imperfection, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, that's why, that's why like a, a story where just nothing happens at all, like where it's just like perfect all throughout, like literally a fundamental element of story is conflict, you know, like definitely where you could argue, like you can't have a story without conflict. You can make right. that argument. Certainly not like a good story. Right. And, it's and just so like, many stories yeah. have like a, a villain even as like a yeah. sort of archetype, like that yeah. somebody, somebody is there to cause problems specifically. And that's yeah. what makes the story yeah and then that and then then that ties back into the god thing we can't relate with god like who who is this perfect like he said it's an uninteresting figure like you just you genuinely can't connect them whereas jesus this person who was like actually walked the earth and actually loved his executioner actually was crucified on the cross it's like that is the person we can relate to yep this is what I mean, not to not to be always doing Paradise Lost, but like this is why no, you know, Milton Satan is like he's exactly. compelling because he's exactly. like not perfect. You can kind of be like, yeah, man, that's rough. <laughs> like I've yeah, also I feel you up. exactly. Like, I don't know. yeah, because every one of us kind of has a bit of a Satan in them, yeah. you know. Like, but I, my my when I did my book review for that, I said my one of my main critiques is it's like. Satan is kind of like the only interesting character, like uh, yeah. literally. And I wasn't even thinking about all this. It was just yeah. like you know, God and the angels and the and like even the demon, even just like the, yeah. all like the straight the fallen angels, like the devil yeah. and Adam and Eve. It's like they they have no depth to them. Like they're not yeah. real. They don't have like Satan is like this morally interesting and complex character that like I said he's like the ultimately tragic figure and yeah. like the arguably the protagonist of the whole story is, is because of. And it's because of that conflict. It's because of that, like, yep. imperfection. And the torments, just, the suffering. Oh, it's really, yeah. Just, like, gosh. you feel bad for him. Absolutely. Like, you literally feel bad for Big him. Big time. Like, Damn. Absolutely. Like, when he's just looking at Paradise and, like, he's just like... Yeah. The, dude, there was, like, one line which was so fire, which is, like, he literally forgets for an instant his, his like, suffering yep. because of how beautiful it is. Isn't that and then, brutal? Like, and then it comes God. back. Yeah. And then, like, the, but then instant later it comes back and it just makes it hurt. Again, it's, like, the yeah, duality. You it's, like, have, you, yeah. once you feel how good it is, that makes the fall all the worse. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then you can't. And then you can't have anything. You can't have one without the other. You really can't have light. What is light but the absence of dark? And what is dark but the absence of light? Yeah. Like it's, it's just like they they literally are kind of two aspects of this beauty. Not to mention shit where we talk about like with in the penal colony, bliss mm-hmm. and suffering. Yes. They, they're the Definitely. they're two aspects of the same thing. Where when you take one to the either extreme, they convert. They are the same thing. Yes. So just you yeah, know, fucking all. Yeah. Of, how all are you? Of that. How are you gonna get to ecstasy without? torments i don't know yeah like so good it hurts you know like something is so good that it hurts yeah 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 Yeah. there's there's the the s&m crowd are are onto something maybe what's (laughs) s&m like sadomasochism okay i figured yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. but that's Um, literally what that shit is oh yeah like like, literally yeah and like so many of these rituals even like the ones that he was talking about like there's such a serious element of pain like Mm. the 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 right stuff like you know getting scarification that shit's gotta hurt getting circumcised that's gotta hurt like and like even the marriage stuff like there's so many Mm -hmm. things about marriage where it's like you know you gotta check the sheets the next morning for the blood or whatever it's like well yeah that's pain that's pain yeah Um, not to mention you're like literally giving part of yourself up like you're actually sacrificing part of yourself yeah in in service of this larger relationship right right yeah yeah so yeah all, all, all of that exactly it it yeah, we can we'll, we'll, we can get more into that, but that whole aspect <laughs> of everything, almost all everything being different aspects of one like s- single thing is like because because he one of uh, Joseph Campbell's ideas that he talks about elsewhere is the monomyth, which is like yes. every myth is actually some variation of 
like some ultimate story. And right. Dep- I don't know. It's, again, so the bad version the of that. The platonic ideals. Yeah. Of, no, of actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the bad version of that is it's like there's one hero journey and that is the story. The, right. The, the way I like to think about it is like the monomyth is encapsulating of all these yeah. like general stories, yeah. which which really just is the human experience. Yeah. Kind of, you know. Yeah. Something like that. It's the but, sampling. It's the, it's the sampling distribution. No, <laughs> literally. But literally. No, no, literally. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, like the platonic idea of like yeah. the perfect, this yeah. perfect sample. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, okay, so bringing it back to like modern stuff. So he talks about, and I like this idea too. And it's again, like the idea that like mythology is everywhere. It's just, we don't realize it. But he says, when a judge walks into the room and everybody stands up, you're not standing up to that guy. You're standing up to the robe mm-hmm. that he's wearing and the role that he's playing. What you're standing up to is a mythological character. You're mm-hmm. not responding to them as personalities. You're responding to them in their mythological roles. When someone becomes a judge or president of the United States, the man is no longer that man. He's the representative of the eternal office. And then he talks about, too, like joining the army, putting on a uniform. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. You're giving your personal life for the, the in the service of society in general. So like it's it's it really all of these things are just around us and my my contribution to this is science all of science is mythology and scientists yeah. scientists are like it's are it's priests and exper- doing experiments and stuff literally are the rituals <laughs> and like the fMRI and the fucking hydron collider and all all that stuff that's like the paraphernalia of of the rituals and like my full I'm still thinking this idea through but it's like myths are basically metaphors to try and make sense of the mystery of the universe and that's what science is to me yeah the the theory of the big bang like the theory of the atomic model like obviously that has like real world implications that are distinct from myths because you can like we're taking people like all of our technologies are based on the truth of those things but at the end of the day we don't actually know what that is like it's a metaphor It's yeah. a metaphor to understand the the mystery of the universe. But yeah, what were you going to say? I mean, I think just in terms of like how much how much direct impact it has on the world. Like, you know, if you buy into the mythology of being a soldier and like sort of committing yourself to that role, that has that has very real implications. Like that's you putting yourself inside a mythology, but you know, people people get killed <laughs> from that. Yeah, um, and I think so that's, I honestly yeah. think that's that's kind of why pe- I feel like some people take that shit so seriously, mm-hmm. you know, like the the army shit, like it yeah. becomes part of their identity is cuz it's like yep. that is that is like a ritualistic outlet. That is a Definitely. mythological outlet that people want and then they go they go whole hog into it and it's like Definitely. that is their life, that is who they are. Yeah. And I think that ultimately boils down to like a uh like a, a thirst for mythology and spirituality. Yeah. yeah. That's but, funny about science. Yeah, no, that's that's. And that's I'm gonna, cool. yeah, it's I'm bringing it, I'm yeah. bringing it right back too because um, there is like just the idea to. He talks about this a little bit, like you know the idea. He thinks that well, he talks at one point. He says, "I have a feeling that consciousness and energy are the same thing somehow." Mm-hmm. Which in my mm-hmm. last episode I did with uh, Ben, we talked about this idea that again, all of it. Is, we came from a di- completely different angle, but everything is there is one fundamental thing, and consciousness and physical things are are different aspects of that single thing, but. Anyway, the whole, the idea I like, and this is a mythological idea as well, and I'm going to tie it back to science, but like, you know, what, it's like, yeah, okay, we have equations to, to, uh, to represent like the, like electrical, the patterns of electric, electrical activity across brains, right? Yeah. It's like, like, but, but like, what is that actually 
like explaining like it's again it's like literally just kind of like a metaphor yeah. and again not a met like not quite a metaphor like because obviously science is different from traditional mythology because like you know all this technology that's based off of it, it has real world applications but it's like you haven't actually explained the th- like like when yeah. when a plant grows it's like okay what what actually happened and there's this idea in the Upanishads or just I guess Indian um, if not, yeah, Indian mythology, philosophy, whatever you want to call it, like this idea of prana, which is like this, it's the thing which animates like everything. Mm-hmm. And, and even just like, you know, with biology, like vitalism, the idea it's like, you know, it used to be believed that like life, biological life had some kind of like animistic spirit, like yes. the elan vital, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and those things are kind of shunned, but it's like, it's like, oh yeah, we have science now. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, sure. Like a plant grows because it, cells can engage in photosynthesis it's like okay what's photosynthesis oh well obviously that's like a convert like it's it's proteins that are converting photons of light into atp which allows the cell to grow it's like okay what what, like you can take it down as far as you go what's powering the metabolic processes what's behind photosynthesis what's behind even the small you can every level you can go down what is animating that right there has to be some ultimate foundational source and that is something that's all throughout mythology. Like that's yep. that's mm-hmm. like that is, and again, it's like that's the mystery of the universe, which I think mythology yep. is around. And it's like sci- you know, science, yes. And again, I, I'll keep I keep saying it, but it's like that's like, it's different from classic conception of myths. But it, I still think it's ultimately a myth. It's not explaining. Yeah. It's 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 a metaphor. It's a symbol. Yeah. For, not to mention even just like like literally like mathematical symbols like are low-key on some hieroglyphics but like that it's like <laughs> so that true, is though. that's yeah. trying to explain it's pointing at it's feeling at the hem of what is ultimately yeah. a mystery yeah and we like delude ourselves into thinking it's actually explaining something but it's actually and again i'm not even kidding like scientists are like the shamans experiments yeah. are the rituals like all those things like it, it is again mythology is going nowhere it's all here but we just don't realize what we're actually doing and like we lose things with that yeah i mean like what is what is a priest but someone who has expertise in like a specific mythology i mean yeah, exactly. a scientist is someone who has expertise in a specific tradition of science which is you never know anything mostly you don't ever know anything factually it's just like theories yeah it, um, yeah exactly and then it's like okay yeah science doesn't have like a deity there's no god that's something right. kind of unique to it although i would argue the deity is like reason like like logic like that that is the deity we just don't know we're actually like worshiping but i mean there there's like i think so i don't know i can't speak to this super super well but i think it's really interesting to to see sort of the thinking of people who come at science from a religious angle yeah um, right 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 where it's like the sort of combining of the two i forget who said it but there's some somebody who has like photosynthesis is like everything that sort of underlies all the science that's an angel um yeah like you can explain it but like photosynthesis is an angel gravity is an angel yeah (laughs) like you can't there's like a certain what i'm trying to say the the gap that you're talking about like you there's a certain level where you can't explain it and that's that's where you get something else. That's where the essence of um, mythology lies yeah. too, in that gap, in that yeah. gap. And you will never close it. Yeah. Right? So it's like, yeah. So anyway, okay. So at this point, Moyers asks, Bill Moyers asks, don't you, don't you sometimes think as you consider these stories that you are drowning in other people's dreams? He says, I don't listen to other people's dreams, but all of these myths are other people's dreams. He says, oh no, they're not. They are the world's <laughs> dreams. They are archetypal dreams and deal with great human problems. 
they are the world's dreams to is just bro. Yeah. And there's a part too he where he says at some point, dreams and myths come from the same place, which yes. is just another fire fucking line. I'm but. so interested. I'm so curious why he doesn't listen to other people's dreams if he thinks that. Yeah, yeah. Also, it might be the interview style. He said, I don't fuck you. Know. Sure, sure, Cause, sure. Cause, yeah, cause, for cause, sure. And the critique is it's like, okay, myths are just stories, right? Like, literally right. people say, that's just a myth. But right. it's like the it, like a a, <laughs> yeah. a a real myth is like again it's it's not it's not specific to the individual it's not yeah. somebody else's story it's the story of everybody it's everybody's yeah. story the world's dreams yeah and then this is the idea of like where we can probably get into like the archetype stuff now where apparently it actually was preceded maybe a little bit by Freud with his idea of what mm-hmm. he called archaic remnants but. Mm-hmm. He describes it as mental forms whose presence cannot be explained by anything in the individual's own life and which seems to be aboriginal, innate, and inherited shapes of the human mind. Something that just precedes, like, everything. And, okay, this is a... Okay, I'm about to give what I think is a fire-ass example, but... Okay. Because um, things just, like, innate. Something There's something innate. We have, like, these forms that we just, like, tend towards. And there's this line... Um, I forget if I mentioned it to you, but like of the Iliad, because I, I have like this whole tattoo idea. But uh, the 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 nice. tattoo I want from the Iliad is yeah. like the generations of leaves, the lives of mortal men, right? That's okay. the, like yes. the generations of leaves, the lives of oral men. So now I'm reading the Upanishads, killer, yeah, love killer it. line, okay. yeah. And this is and this is ancient Greece over three thousand years ago. Yeah. Ago, and now I'm reading, and then I was reading the Upanishads, which was written over five thousand years ago. On the other side of the world, I'm assuming. I actually don't know the world. Like I could not tell you. Like is India across from? I'm gonna say India at that point was separate it's from Greece. It's far away. It's yeah, very it, far yeah. away. Yeah. So, okay, so the Iliad quote, like the generations of leaves, the lives of mortal men, the quote from the Upanishads, like corn, mortals ripen and fallen, like corn, they come up again. It's the same fucking thing. It like, sure, oh my God, it sure as hell dude, is. like corn, mortals <laughs> ripen and fallen, like corn, they come up again. And then, and then about the Upanishads, like the, the, the message the, that the person's writing, he says, when these texts were composed and who composed them, no one knows. And again, the individual is not important here. Right, It's right. not somebody else's dream. This is the dreams of the world. This is, yeah. it's completely, it doesn't matter. We don't even know who wrote this or when, it, like, when precisely they were written. It's just yeah. like, this is, and that's like eternal wisdom type shit, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. That is literature for the soul type shit. Yeah. It's like, that's the, that's the mental forms whose presence cannot be explained by anything in the individual's own life that is the archetype that is the archaic remnant shit like that i think there is something there is something to this idea that like there's so many of the things that are these like enduring myths there is no person that it came from yeah and there's no origin either right exactly you can't trace this back to this is where it first started yeah like this so much folklore that there's no author of that it's just a story from exactly. people from like an somewhere. eternal st- exactly like, like yeah, an eternal yeah. story literally yeah. and one which will never lose its application right a th- mm. like a, a thousand years from now no like ten thousand years from now it, it's gonna have just yep. as much application as today yeah and we can like talk about this too at some point but like you know like the the advent of like artificial intelligence that is a whole yeah. that is that's gonna fit some new type of mythological structure like you know Definitely. it's all like obviously in like something like ai or like whatever quantum physics all these these things can radically change what the world is but there are overall larger structures that is completely independent of content completely independent of like whatever the specific thing is happening these yep. are just general structures that are just universal yeah 
And then there, th this is a really cool idea from Jung that I, I liked about the archetype. So he says, just as the human body represents a whole museum of organs, each with a long evolutionary history behind it, so we should expect to find that the mind is organized in a similar way. It can no more be a product without history than is the body in which it exists. And then again, just similar, he says, this immensely old psyche forms the basis of our mind just as much as the structure of our body is based on the general anatomic pattern of the mammal. Right? It's like, evolutionary functions of organs and behavior and like he even talks about like you know the impulse of birds to build nests the yeah like, the way that ants organize colonies that's not something that's like consciously being thought of like those yeah. are just things that like literally emerge from like evolution like you can have like a uh this is even just like you know like animals will be born and they instantly know uh, most of them were like kind of an exception most of them know how to like walk and do right. basic things they didn't even yeah because there's not even an element of learning where like let me watch the mom do this and right. then I'll do no, it. They it's just like they, they just come out of the womb yeah. like knowing that shit. And then like the idea that that's how some some kind of history underlies that and that's what's going on with our archetypes is just like a very interesting idea. And I need yeah. to like f I, I need to think on that more because that's like a very deep thing. It is. No, but it is. It's fascinating. The idea that that's what feel, our archetypes are. It makes are. me feel weird about not being not being like agnostic or atheist or whatever because i'm yeah. just like man i'm there's like such a humanity seems to be so like into creating gods or like yeah. finding gods or whatever yep. and it's like am i am i like doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but like no. i mean there's still mythologies without that as we've been talking about and i i'm very much into those so yeah no it's it seems yeah there is some kind of i'm you know i'm sure pattern. we'll get to the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pattern like some kind of, and again, the idea here. Let me pull it up. He says, "They are without known origin, and they reproduce themselves in any time or in any part of the world, even where transmission by direct descent or cross fertilization mm -hmm. through migration must be ruled out." This is like mm -hmm. it's again like you can have a human born anywhere. They will have organs that kind of like function the same that have been like the product of this whole evolutionary history. Just so too with the mind. You can have humans yep. at any point in the world at any point in time, and there are just certain psychological structures, yep. things that we think about that just we we tend towards. Yep. It's like an instinct. It's literally like an instinct in the same way that the birds build nests and that the ants Definitely. form colonies. Definitely. And it's it's just like an instinct of the mind, which yeah. is yeah. And honestly, to take that to take this perhaps too far, it's like what I said earlier with like when an organ stops working. Like there's disequilibrium, and that's what's mm -hmm. happening with the mind when you Definitely. when you yep. don't pay attention to one aspect of it, you you have an imbalance, and yep. like there's consequences. Yep. So and you the know, high okay, school, so high, this is yeah. this is one of those things where it's like high school did something that was correct, but then it just did yeah. it wrong. But yeah. like they had us do these like wellness wheels and like health class that were yeah. about you know keeping your social life and your physical health and your spiritual well-being and stuff all kind of like approximately in balance but they just they they gave it to us in a, yeah. as an assignment and it's like you're 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 right like you need to you need to think <laughs> yeah. about that but don't why do you have to give me a test like yeah. I don't, uh, school anyway. is kind of school to me i the more i think about it it is like a big paradox because it's like yeah. yeah you these fuckers need to learn this but then the very <laughs> at the very element of like forcing someone to learn something is a great way for them to never pay attention yep. to it again you know yep. so it's like <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Great. Yep. Okay, believe it or not, uh, I have to piss again. Okay. And it's about time for that second cup of coffee. Actually, okay. it's my fourth cup of coffee today. 
Nice. Um, just one of those. That I'm still like on the post hangover hangover. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, for real. I'm gonna yeah. make this cup of coffee. I'm gonna piss, and then we can we can finish this off. Okay, sounds okay. good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's good, everybody? We are back. Um, I'm going to jump us back into the going, again, full modern and on the cutting edge of, of modernness is um, the idea of just... Okay, so I'll read the quote. So he says, what I see in Star Wars... We're not even talking about the full Star Wars stuff, but it, it comes up a couple of times. But what I see in Star Wars is the same problem that Faust gives us. Mephistopheles, the machine man, can provide us with all the means and is thus likely to, term, to determine the aims of life as well. And then he says, There comes a time when the machine begins to dictate you. For example, I have bought this wonderful machine, a computer. It seems to me an Old Testament God with a lot of rules and no mercy. And... Again, this idea that like artificial intelligence is this Mephistopheles, which I don't, I've not read Faust. I think I read a little excerpt once for class, but I'm not even going to pretend I like I started it a couple months ago and I was like, this is not the right time for me to yeah, be reading Yeah, this. exactly. But anyway, we'll take him the idea that the machine man can provide us with all the means and is thus likely to determine the aims of life as well. Yeah. Uh, heard of internet algorithms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just the, like literally... <laughs> bro we are like actually addicted to our machines like oh, they yeah. have become like parasites on us that like they yeah. have determined what like you know the algorithm is the internet algorithm just in general is like you know it recommends things for you that like and this is like a common phenomenon with people where it's like you get into new things yep. because like they like push it on you yep and then the machine begins to dictate you it's like dude how many like we can't go like a few hours with our like the, the phone all the computer all of those like are necessary things yeah. for us now. My screen time reports are like a horrifying. Horror yeah, no, literally. <laughs> yeah. Exa and, and he says it's a miracle what happens on that screen. Have you ever looked inside one of those things? You can't believe it. It's a whole hierarchy of angels all on slats and those mm -hmm. little tubes. Those are miracles. Uh, there's again the whole hierarchy my of angels. My TikTok but... algorithm is an angel. <laughs> yeah, like uh, no, uh, the TikTok shit. angel is a devil. The TikTok <laughs> angel is a devil. <laughs> <laughs> but and then and then like artificial intelligence we were just talking about like how much yeah. uh this like before the show how much yeah. it's gonna have like an impact and like, i don't know i i can only see the problems of internet algorithms and stuff like determining how we act and behave yeah. g just becoming infinitely infinitely worse yeah and this idea that it's like we won't be able to exist with like it's like every every new good thing that comes in proportion like takes something away you know yep. like mm -hmm. like one of the things I think, and I we were kind of talking about this, but like the idea, it's like <laughs> we Loki already using Chat GPT for some homework shit, you know? Oh what I yeah, mean? and, and oh, it's, yeah. that's gonna be straight up normal. It's gonna become. Yeah. I I I said this at some point, I think, but it's like, like probably at this point, and if not very soon, Ch Chat GPT essays are literally better than actual undergraduate oh, yeah. essays Which who are is putting so, in work. It's so. So I read some, like, it wasn't even a blog post. It was just, like, some somebody venting about um, ChatGPT writing a grant proposal. Yeah. That was worse in terms of 
having things like that it that it matters, but like better in the sense that it was more likely to get accepted than anything that a person would write. Yeah. And like that's so strange. <laughs> It's it's uh, different. It's it's different. Like you know, yeah. it, it, and it's gonna have implications. But there's people in our department I know that have have used ChatGPT to write grants. At least as oh a, yeah, at least as like a found, yeah. like as a rough draft. But it's well, like, why would you not? I mean, if that's it's the if key. it's that's the you key. know, so it's weird. It's it's a it's a strange adaptation. And I think he's right that like things are changing very quickly. So it's very yeah. hard to like get a get a grounding and like i feel like in terms of these algorithms that kind of push content on you it's difficult to think about memes as a kind of mythology because they're so quick (laughs) but like they kind of are because they provide a whole segment of people with a shared vocabulary that that like is a certain way of thinking about things like if there's a particular meme structure that's like really popular this week I find myself kind of thinking in terms of that structure, like how Definitely. can I, how can I apply this situation to this structure that's currently fashionable? And just um, real quick, sorry, related to that, yeah. like the structure determining how you think. Like I, yeah. I, I've had the experience of when I was on Twitter for a little bit and I got mm-hmm. off that shit, but it's like, bro, I was like literally thinking in tweets. Oh that, yeah, and and that's again, it's the machine man can provide us with the means, but it's likely to determine the aims of life yeah. as well. It determines like, in, in many ways, and like yeah. artificial intelligence is like, it's a myth. I mean, not it is a mythological figure. Mm-hmm. It's like this Mephistopheles character who I wish I had read Faust, but yeah. I don't know if this is exactly what it is. But AI, just separate from the Faust thing, is like kind of like a, it is like a deal with the devil where you get all these good, th- like yeah. you get everything you like, kind yeah. of think you want, right? Like yeah. But at the same, but you pay like a you pay a steep price, like ultimately yeah. like a larger price, I think, than what than what it's actually, what it actually brings, or at you. least an unexpected price yeah. that like you have to figure out. Like you can plan for certain things, right? But there are other things that happen mm-hmm. that you were not prepared for that and are problems. <laughs> and that is that is AI. I mean, that's AI yeah. in a nutshell. We have no idea what what yeah. the implications will be, but surely there will be, you know, consequences. Yeah. You and know, this it's is like, like yeah. there there are things that sort of like old timey problems where you could like kind of prepare for it if you sort of were aware. Like, okay. We're going to have the winter, so we better make enough, like, canned canned fruits and vegetables right. that we're going to be able to make it through the winter. That's predictable. You can kind of deal with that. But if it's, like, AI, no one's ever encountered this before. And yep, it's very – stuff is stuff is quick, man. There's, like, no way to really get ahead of it. And so, yeah. yeah and it's – in its own know. way, too, it's, like, you know, the in the mythological sense, you know, the deal with the devil thing, there's always mm-hmm. some kind of ulterior motive that's yes. that's taking place. And, and – you know, whether, like, we don't have to take that literally in the sense that, like, AI, I mean, although there is an argument for that, like, the AI yep. will become, like, sentient at some level and have some, in fact, that's literally, like, the whole big thing of, like, that's the fear with AI right now. Right. It's like, you know, like, the big, the one I hear is, like, the paperclip problem where it's, like, okay, you ask an AI to just, like, make as many paperclips as it can yeah. and, then, like, it ends up destroying the whole world trying to make yeah. paperclips. Like, yeah. that's, like, a kind of, like, a silly example, but that's the idea, I too. Mean, yeah. It might no, have my ulterior favorite one is My favorite one is minimize human suffering, so it just kills yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. But that is, like, kind of, like, that's, like, the be careful what you wish for yep. mythology, right? That's yep. all up in, like, that's folklore, that's mythology, that's everything. It's, like, yep. you, you, there's something that you think you 
want and you wish for it and it has unintended consequences. Absolutely. And that is, again, so like it's a universal human story. It's a universal human theme. Obviously, we haven't seen any AI could not have even been conceived of in the in the past, but it's ultimately the same thing. Yeah, it's ultimately something coming that is going to completely shake everything, and we'll have it again all this. It's it's the mythological structure we've been talking about yeah. that has been present since eternity, like you know, and since it's, eternity. It's partly, I think, because there's so many people who are developing it who are specialists in mm-hmm. a way. Like they're specialists in programming, they're specialists in um, computer mechanics, they're specialists in making money, they're specialists yeah. in algorithm exactly. development. Whatever. Definitely making money. Yeah, but then, like, there's the people who are in control of that are not generalists who would be aware of the sort of mythologies of, of these things or Absolutely. who would even care about them. Um, and exactly. so you not get, to mention, you get yeah. guys like Elon Musk who are just like, <laughs> I'm aware of the mythologies, but you're like, okay, but you're also, like, your main thing is that you want some cash. So yeah, I, don't, yeah. mm, I don't know. <laughs> but and then, Yeah, no, there's, like, and then it's, like, this is why it's, like, oh, mythology, there's no, what's the point in learning it? It's, like... This is the real life value yeah. of mythology, which is like yeah. hard for the modern world to swallow. But it's like yep. once you recognize that AI is in fact fitting this yeah. like eternal, perennial mythological yeah. structure, maybe you could take a second to just think about it in terms of like that and say like, you know, ask the question which no one is asking, which is like, why? What yeah. like what? And then like if you do it's recognize intelligence it, versus wisdom a, yes. a lot. No, it feels li- like. exactly. No, it, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And you honestly, that might be the in a nutshell, what modern society is extremely mm-hmm. intelligent, n- very little wisdom. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just like, cause if you think about it in, in mythological terms, it's like, you could, we could have a conversation. What do we want this? What, how should this new technology serve us? What do we want it to do? Like, you know, when you think about it, like you, there's there, it's again, it's the tool having, knowing what is going to happen. Cause this, cause this is like the same structure and same story we see everywhere understanding yeah. that is a tool in itself that can help you navigate these uncharted territories or you could just go in blind and see how that goes which you know has a bad <laughs> yeah. history of not working out too well but no yeah. one is no one questions that no one questions what the like the impact spiritually like for our day-to-day lives and for yeah. our fulfilled self-actualized lives no one thinks about what will how will because you could take this the other way how can ai improve or like yeah. like you know how can we make it to minimize work so people have more time but Absolutely. it's like you have to recognize first that th- this is like for what it is like and what yeah. the consequences will be like yeah. we know how this is going to ultimately pan out because myths have told us a hundred times how this story ends yeah but when you don't pay attention to the story you're not thinking about it like a story it's like yeah. when the myths are not in the minds of the people they don't think they can't apply what they're seeing all around them to these larger mythical structures yeah but yeah. we'll see we'll see that's yeah. why Big Night Short Story Club is changing the world. Absolutely. One, one, one podcast yes. at a time. Yes, yes. Elon Musk, listen. <laughs> listen to this episode. Oh, my God. He should. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, but, okay, no, just related to this, too, actually, it says, he, he says, you and I, that's the line I've been uh, referring to. He says, you can keep an old tradition going only by renewing it in terms of current circumstances. Mm-hmm. When the world changes, then the religion has to be transformed. And it's like uh, adapting to the like what is actually because the current circumstances are always changing, always e- ephemeral and never you can ne- there's nothing eternal about them. But like, again, the general structures are that he said, but he sort of takes this. He says what you have. He said the real horror today is what you see in Beirut. There you have the three great Western religions, Judaism, Christianity and Islam. And because the three of them 
have different names for the same biblical God they can't get on together. They are stuck with their metaphor and don't realize its reference. Each group says, we are the chosen group and we have God. And it's like, that's the idea of like taking the mythology too seriously. And like, the and so in terms of this quote I just read, it's like, that's them not renewing mythology in terms of the current circumstances. Yeah. They're taking like a, like millennia, several millennia old religion and like yeah. not adapting it and taking it literally and again, they're stuck with their metaphor and don't realize it's reference. All yeah. religions refer to the same thing. Yeah. Essentially. Even when you have religions that are, like, almost exactly the same. Like, yeah. when, you know, like, the divide between, like, Church of England and Catholicism in, in Great Britain. Like, that's that's the same religion, man. Mm-hmm. You're all Christians, but, you know, they're, they're sort of getting so lost in the sauce of the details. That's literally um, it. Lost in the sauce, bro. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, you know, at some level, it's like, sometimes you just have to think, and like, not to like offend anyone, but it's like, you know, you have to realize at some level that these are identical, like, these are basically identical yeah. things, and it's like this one little difference is like what, what, like, wars are being fought over, or just, like, all this conflict, and it's just, like, yeah. but I, I don't know, I think it's just, again, like, I think it's, people, I honestly think it come that comes down to, like, uh, some kind of, not, like, not a neurosis, but it's, like, you actually, those are the people that are actually deeply mythological, but it's, like, they're, t- they're taking it, they're taking it, like, t- they're taking, again, the enthusiasm for, like, the actual, what, the referent of the metaphor, but mm-hmm. then like extending that to like the specifics and not mm-hmm. letting it update. Like they're almost like too rigidly, like that was the first yeah. thing that they were introduced to mythologically. And like, yeah. that's what they, they, they failed to like up, update that. Which I think comes down to like, at, at least partially to like mythology having a like life guiding pedagogical purpose of like here's how to live a good life um is like based on this mythology and if you get really entrenched in the details of that it starts to matter because you have this like very intricate structure of like here's how an individual's life has to work and we have to have all of these individuals and like these proportions in order to structure society in a way that works and then if that falls apart the whole thing falls apart and so if we have people who dissent on any individual part of that then the whole mythology breaks and so we have to like make sure that we're only subscribing to one specific very detail-oriented mythology Mm -hmm. um but that's fear. I mean, that's fear yeah. of, of of having getting into the spirit of the myth rather yeah, than Yeah, exactly. The, it's yeah. it's what he said. It's mistaking the metaphor for the Absolutely. referee. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You're, exactly. You're getting exactly. lost in the you're getting lost in the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 truly, literally. And it's like it's like that's also like funny and everything, but it's like, bro, literally wars are millions oh, of deaths are attributable oh, to yeah. getting to getting lost in the sauce. Oh yeah. Detail. Which you also know, just goes I, to I show like how genocide genocides are that. Like it's like, yeah. oh these these people don't fit our, our thing. <laughs> no, like so, literally, yeah. yeah. He even has some whole thing about this where it's like there's he like the the New Testament says, Love thy neighbor, but like go and kill thy enemy. You know, right, some some right. shit like that where it's like yeah it's and it's like ultimately it's like it's crazy because it ultimately is all these all these deaths and all these war all this conflict is ultimately like mythological in in nature like that's the yeah. that's the disagreement and again but nobody's paying attention to it nowadays too it's just like yeah yeah no there's 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 a lot going on with that but because he talks about and we'll talk about that later there's different functions of myth and, and one of those is the sociological function yes which is like what which is what we're talking about 
um, which is like the bad sort of like the bad. Well, it's it's you can adapt it to be good, but like right. You know, but but we'll, yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about yeah. that. We'll talk about that. But um, so just again related to everything we've been saying, he says the main motifs of the myths are the same, and they have always been the same. And then every mythology has grown up in a certain society, but today there are no boundaries. The only mythology that is valid today is the mythology of the planet, and we do not have such a mythology. Right? That is, especially with like you know, just in terms of even just in terms of like logistically, like the, the like in terms of communication and internet and the worldwide ecosystem, or like yeah, uh, like global uh, monetary system and like just the internet in general, we are connected in a way that has never in in, in way like. And just like air, like just like literally like airplane travel and shit. It's like, and then with like climate change and everything, it's like now we have a universal yeah threat that everybody is dealing with, and we need a mythology of the world, but we, yeah. we do we do not have that. That's what, yeah. what he's saying. And then he says, just taking a big picture, he says, "What is a myth? The dictionary definition of a myth would be stories about God." So then you have to ask the next question: What is a god? A god is a personification of a motivating power or value system that functions in human life and in the universe, the powers of your own body and of nature. But then he says, there are also myths and gods that have to do with specific societies. There is the mythology that relates you to your nature and to the natural world of which you are a part, and there is a mythology that is strictly sociological, linking you to a particular society. And again, that's like what what, what kind yeah. of the problem is. And then he talks about the specific example of like the biblical tradition being an example of a, soci- uh, a social oriented mythology mm-hmm. and how under the biblical tradition, nature, for instance, is condemned. Nature, yes. is, nature is evil. We, yeah. we are supposed to put ourselves out of like we are supposed to master it, to control it. And then, and then he says that's why he said that's why we have so much tension, anxiety, the cutting down of forests, the annihilation of native people. In the Bible, eternity withdraws and nature is corrupt. Nature has fallen. In biblical thinking, we live in exile. Yeah. So that that was that was an interesting moment for me to get to in this because like I'm aware of like the the sort of thing about the fall of humanity and of of humans being separate and or better than nature but i i keep forgetting to apply that to yeah, the world yeah. as it is and it was so like shit yeah you're right i mean it literally is. fucking divine inter or manifest destiny what was it like yep. literally like we were conquering and slaughtering native peoples yeah. and just people all across the world in the name of god in the name yep. of like the true religion yeah like literally the like the extermination and genocide of yeah. enormous groups of people are all are all ultimately based in something in something yeah. like that you know because it's justified because yeah. of our story about yeah ourselves. and it's like you know just yeah. as an example like what do we think would there be a difference in for instance like a biblical society where again yeah nature is we mm-hmm. are literally it, it's it's it actually says it in genesis like you know we are yeah. to be masters of the world versus the native american mythology which has you know severely been taken out because of the extermination on the order of millions of like right. these native peoples but so imagine our this mythology versus the mythology of a lot of native american tribes right or, if not all where it's just like literally you know the mother and th- this is the whole end of the chapter which like that's its own text in itself the letter from chief seattle Definitely. but it's like yes. you know the world is itself is like an embodiment of of god 
And yeah. it's like, you know, like the, the trees and the animals are like literally our brothers and sisters. Yep. And it's like you cannot destroy the world without ultimately destroying yourself in this larger web of life, which is also a, a super Buddhist idea. Again, yep. just coming full circle. And it's like mythology matters. Whether when you believe at some level that the world is something to be dominated and conquested over versus the world is literally, you know, like the embodiment and actuality of like a spiritual divine entity not to mention you know like reincarnate like this is where like your family is buried which is grown back into like the the earth and the trees and the water because it's like you know the wind is not just the wind it's like the breath of our ancestors the water is not just the water it's the blood of our like yeah you think you might treat the world a little bit differently depending on which of those two worldviews are absolutely absolutely and so it's like mythology is like deeply important and again this is just another example of like not paying attention this is what happens when you don't pay attention to it so um yeah there's like a whole okay there is a whole part i wanted to talk about we might have to save this for another episode because this is like i i will go on for at least 30 30 minutes on, on this um <laughs> which part which part okay shit fuck it yeah just real uh, just super abbreviated super okay, abbreviated. okay okay but my my um my thing with just like the structures of myth being applied not only to just like psychology but also like actual scientific phenomenon Oh yes. Okay. And yeah. So I gave an example last episode of like flood myths, which I won't. I won't, e- I won't even mm-hmm. give. I won't rehash that. But it's like, literally, all the flood myths, which are just universal across all these different cultures and everything, and across time, like fits so many different scientific phenomena. I'll give just like a different example of the one I gave last time. But like bacteria, like antibacteria. It's like you have like you have like this whole population. Something gets introduced, which annihilates most of the population, but spares some small percentage. You know, sanitizer kills 99.99% of bacteria, after which the bacteria come back and grow, like, they they come back renewed. And it's like, there's this specific video I'm thinking of where it's like, they have three panels, and you can just see all the bacteria except a little bit die, and then they proliferate, and and like, that affects their genetic material. I think I've seen that video. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, you can do that, it's like, that's a flood myth, like, but anyway... And this yeah. kind of sounds like a stretch. I have I have many examples. My last one was better too, but uh, like th- so we want. He goes into a whole dollar bill symbology thing, which is interesting. But I don't mm-hmm. want to go full on. But yeah. like, but one of the things is that comes up is like Solomon's seal and like this Pythagorean mm-hmm. idea, basically, basically where it's like long story short, like from one comes two, and from t- here. Let me see. Okay, um, let me just read it. Okay, so the initial sound a Christian might say the creative word out of which the whole world was precipitated, the Big Bang, the pouring of the transcendent energy into and expanding throughout the field of time. As soon as it enters the field of time, it breaks into pairs of opposites. The one becomes two. Now, when you have two, there are just three ways in which they can relate to one another. One way is this do- this one dominant over that. Another way is of that one dominant over this. And the third way is of the two in balanced accord. It is then finally out of these three manners of relationship that all things within the four quarters of space derive. And then he reads a thing from the Tao Te Ching, which is like the idea that again, I won't, it's like one, from one comes two from, and then out of two comes three and out of three comes all things. And like that whole thing, I have a whole, I won't even get into it, but just one example is it's like literally the structure of the atom. There's, there's three components to it. You know, like there's the proton, yep. the neutron, the electron, the proton is the relationship with, he says this over that it's like, right. There's one charge, yeah. one has more positively charged than the other. The electron is the one of this over that. One is more negatively charged. And then the neutron itself is just like it in balanced accord. Yeah. And it's out of those three things that everything in the world come come all things. That's a Pythagorean <laughs> That's idea. Good. That's like a 
yeah. Dao to Ching. Th- it's like it's it's all over. Th- and I have more, bro. I, that's just one. <laughs> that's just one. Like I, I could literally talk about this right now for like a super long time. But like I have other other examples. But like the that that's just one thing. Because the, for the listeners that listened last time, like the I gave the example of the flood myth of. Um, like basically in Yellowstone, long story short, deers got super overpopulated because people were killing oh, yeah, all the yeah, wolves, yeah. Yep. and there's like sickness, and it fucked up all the land. You introduce the wolves, all a huge majority of the deer die, but then everything is reborn anew. Like that's yep. just that's just another flood myth on top of like the bacteria one, and I have yep. more. But um, and then this is just another example of like a classic mythological theme. I like this is what my quote unquote book is is going to be about is is that's, just because yeah. it's all of what again great. once you start noticing dude it's everywhere it's everywhere don't even that's get me good. started on chaos and order. don't even get me started on chaos in order don't <laughs> even get me started but anyway so again that's just a fun example i just wanted to bring up of just like you know these are a lot these structures are real there's something deeply true yeah. about, about myths yeah but um okay so here he and i think we're more we're coming to a close ish but one of the just let's say in summary he talks about how myth basically serves four functions he says the first is the mystical function that is the one i've been speaking about realizing what a wonder the universe is and what a wonder you are and experiencing awe before this mystery myth opens the world to the dimension of mystery to the realization of the mystery that underlies all forms which by the way you know how many times does the scientist think about that at all really you know like do do people think about the mystery of the universe at all like no um, yeah, sometimes I feel well, like okay. Yeah, no, no. We sorry. are. Pe- we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exa- <laughs> yeah. Sorry. There are, obviously there's a, there's people that do consider these things, but just as a but society, yeah. as yeah, a society, it's not, it's not like valued. It's like exactly. a thing that you do because you can't help it. Yeah. Kinda. In fact, it's kind of mocked. It's like, oh, bro, yeah. wow, the world is crazy. Yeah. Nah, yeah. If you're, you're at like a if you're if you're trying to talk in your scientific paper about that, people exactly. are like, what is this? Like, this yeah. Is, they said this is good, but it, cut this part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, okay, so then he says the second is a cosmological dimension, which science is concerned with showing you what the shape of the universe is, but showing it in such a way that the mystery again comes through. Today, we tend to think of scientists that have having all the answers, but the great ones tell us, no, we haven't got all the answers. We're mm-hmm. telling you how it works, but what is it? You strike a match. What's fire? You mm-hmm. can tell me about oxidation, but that doesn't tell me a thing. And it's like, again, yeah, you can explain the processes of metabolism. And it's not really telling me what's actually, what's what's driving your metabolic processes. Right. And then what's driving that. And then what's driving that, right? Like, you're yeah. you're, you're describing something. You're not actually, like, explaining the thing in and of itself. Right. And the, the thing in itself is mystery. It's, it's like, in principle, not, not knowable. No amount of science, I think, exactly. will, will, yeah, will ever yeah. get you there. Yeah. So, and then he says the third function is a sociological one, supporting and validating certain uh, social orders. And here's where the myths vary enormously from place to place. And it's this function of myth that has taken over our world and it is out of date. And yeah. yes, I, I agree. Even very, even to this day. I mean, honestly, that could be one reason too why there's such like this holding on of religion, like even yeah. in today's modern society, you know, like as much as, you know, science has come and like, you know, the famous Nietzsche quote, God is dead. And there's been this whole movement of like people not yeah. being shifting towards being non-religious. It's still such a huge presence though, even today in the year and you can of 2023. See it play out in like how people are about things, even people who are not religious, like there's, there's just tendencies that clearly come from, a religious tradition because yeah. it's so hard to let go of like the sort of patterns of the myth. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like exactly. The, the, yeah. Yeah. 
So, so then he says there's a fourth function of myth, and this is, I think, important. This is one that I think everyone must try today to relate to, and that is the pedagogical function mm-hmm. of how to live a human lifetime under any, any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Myth can teach you that, right? That, that's the idea where it's like we, there is something actually to be learned yeah myths. it's not just Definitely. like funny funny stories that are like right. oh that was entertaining it's like there is actual wisdom yes in, in these stories that can and the beauty of it is again how to live a lifetime under any circumstances he says because these these are eternal stories yeah and this is like okay like again like we can learn from we can learn from myths like if we take like the traditional native american perspective like can we maybe learn something about what we're actually doing with the world by listening to like this rich age-old tradition that has been practiced and like like it like it's just yeah it's it's there is there are real things that that can be learned from yeah from like these quote-unquote stories yeah they're the stories of the world they are the world's stories you know yeah I think people use, like, people often will use fiction, I think, for a lot of the same purposes as this, because it's like, they don't, it doesn't necessarily tap into a a universal consciousness, but it's like, you can, you can find something that you specifically resonate with that can serve a sort of pedagogical purpose and, like, hook you into some kind of, there's at least one other person who, like, gets it, if you're reading something that's by an author as opposed to AI, which is a whole other thing. But yeah. but I do think that there is like a, a, a potential risk there in that you're you're getting a lesson from an individual. And if that individual is not sort of hooked into the same kind of, you know, world wisdom, then yeah, you're getting their take and you're yeah. learning their take. But it's, it's tricky too because like for instance the example of marriage. He's like, you know, yep. and this was you know, this is back in the day and everything, but he said, you know, marriage is between a male and a female and all this. It's like, you know, and again they need to be updated. So there yeah, there is a risk of like I mean, it's tough. It's like you just can't it's it's kind of a fine balance. It's almost like it an is. art of like not getting lost like, like you said, not getting lost in the sauce. Like trying yeah. to understand these things for what they are. And you know, because because yeah, the second it gets pedagogical is the second. It's like it's like honestly, that's like it sounds like what your ultimate critique was like from earlier. It's like once you bring yeah. that into a school setting, there's a lot of room for it to just be right. dogmatic and completely lose the whole intention of why it should even have yeah been. But like you know, if you take it as if you just understand in general that myths really do have life lessons. Yes. Like in a not, it's like even that's the thing. It's like corny to even talk about life lessons. Like it's just like cliche. Yeah, but it's like, but it's like it's real. It's it's like <laughs> a real thing. That's the whole thing. That's that's what exactly, we're all doing. Exactly. Is, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like there's a reason. Again, it's from all these different cultures. Like it's a life. It is like, <laughs> it is a life lesson. Like there is no yep. other word. Like that's what that shit is. Yeah. So, I have to wonder why it's corny. Like, why why has it gotten to a place where people feel like it's corny to talk about yeah, I don't wisdom know. or yeah, life lessons or spirituality? That's what he's that's what he's saying too. It's like there's a curious reluctance on the people's part of like talking about the life value. It's like, well, yeah, why yeah. is I, I honestly one interpretation is it's like once once the advent of science and rationality came in and all that. It's like anything that can't be formulated in quantitative measurable terms becomes like you know it's not real it's like a not thing so and then and then i'm sure there's this whole there's a whole um, there's a side of this that can be corny like you know there are people who well like can turn the spirituality thing cringy and then like that that plus i think like you know that like honestly i think with like the 
like the uh, growing out of like Christianity and stuff mm-hmm. almost had like a s- effect of like growing out of mythology in general, where it's like yeah. these are just like story. It's like, oh, you mean like you- you're telling me like the fucking like sun god Ra really created the earth? Right. Or, like, you're telling me really it was like the you because you know and because when people take, I think the problem was people were taking Christianity and all those like religions literally. And you, the same problem applies if you take any other myth literally, Definitely. right? And I think maybe just they, they threw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that's probably true. I think that's. What I it also is. do think there's like probably an incentive, among, not 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 to be socialist on here, but like there's you know there's sort of an incentive incentive among like the capitalist class to like keep people from thinking too much about where do you get life purpose from yeah. and like <laughs> no, beyond your work because that's if you if you move all of the stuff that you get from spirituality and like wisdoms and stuff onto be productive at your job then you're gonna do a lot for your job yeah exactly um, and then if you like don't think about it or if you don't give them time to think about it yeah. like, you know because you're working and you make, all day and you make it cringy to be yeah, like oh yeah, what exactly. are you thinking about that for like you should think yeah. about being like making exactly. money moves instead yeah it, it, exactly exactly yeah. and then it's like because the second you do start thinking about it it's like okay yeah money money and all external accomplishments obviously they're important but it's not like the thing right it's not like the so it's not the one it's not like the purpose of life right and again now it's like we just in terms of like language it's getting cliche and like sounds corny but it's true like they're really like money is not the purpose of life like right spiritual development and growth is one of the main is one of the main things you know it's yeah. just like but anyway i like the idea of capitalism doing it, it behind it all because it's kind of because it's like <laughs> you work like just even like not to mention like grad school timing but like you know someone yeah. works nine to five and they have like they, it's like it, and they have like kids and they have chores they have to pick people yeah. up and like they have to go to bed early and yeah. they have to cook food like there's not even time there's no to room yeah it, literally and it's like you oh what are you doing on your weekends you're doing all the chores you couldn't do during the weekday it's exactly like we're literally oh so God. busy that we can't yeah. like look up to realize wait what the fuck are we doing with our lives right like, this is how we're spent and it doesn't need to be like that like there, there's no like yeah, yeah. I just i just can't or if there does something needs to change then structurally yeah because that's just And that's, again, that's why everybody's, like, I feel like, I mean, in large part, I feel like that has to be why there's, like, this rise, an unprecedented rise of, like, depression and anxiety and all all this stuff. It's just, like, I think it has everything to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm sure there are people out there who, like, legitimately feel some sense of purpose from their, you know, money rolling in or whatever. But, like... It feels like a sort of con- control psyop <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to some extent. No, I mean that. Not. I don't mean that in like a but like a conspiracy of. theorist way. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. I don't know. And like just the institution itself yeah, is structured exactly. like that. You know exactly. Like, yeah. And it's it's unfortunate that it has sort of made science that way because I think fundamentally science has a can have a sort of spiritual angle to oh, it. Oh, for like, sure. I think the best, that's yeah. what he says, the, only the best scientists tell you we don't yeah. know. That's right. the, I honestly, it's right. like, you know, it's like the Einstein scientists who like, right. you know, they have all these quotes. It's like all a mystery, right? It's yeah. like deeply philosophical. 
Yeah. And again, that's why science is just another myth. It's just another right. way of trying to get at this ultimately more right. mysterious what underlies it all, right? It's just But you like, can't sell that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't no, sell uncertainty. Can't. And it takes You have work. to be like, Oh yeah, I'm sure like this I'm certain of this and it's it'll it'll do the thing that I say exactly. it'll do and you should buy it. Yeah. So. And it takes anyway. effort. It takes effort to live a fulfilled life, you know? Absolutely. Like, yeah. so. Yeah. It's hard. I've been, I've been on a whole, we don't need to get into this, but I've been on a whole journey with that lately. Um, an odyssey. Yeah, it's hard, an odyssey, man. one might say. A, an you, odyssey. You might, a hero's journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one might. One might say that. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, perhaps yeah. we can close it with sort of directions forward he says the only myth that is going to be worth thinking about in the immediate future is the one talking about the planet not the city not these people but the planet and everybody Mm -hmm. on it and what it will have to deal with will be exactly what all myths have dealt with the maturation of the individual from dependency through adulthood through maturity and then to the exit and then how to relate to this society and how to relate this society to the world of nature and the cosmos so beautiful and then he says when you see the earth from the moon you don't see any divisions there of nations or states that is the country that we are going to be celebrating and those are the people that we are one with just the world the world and that's why again it's like it would have been great if we didn't slaughter the entire native american population basically because they had that was their mythology was mother mother earth the great spirit just resides like imagine if we had a reverence for the world like literally i don't think it's an under or under overstatement to say that like climate change could have been avoided if there was like real ritual like if we had maintained some kind of mythological presence and abided by laws that actually respected and revered like the earth you know like this is the this is the great price that young and joseph campbell are talking about is it's like you know with with the advent of like rationality and all these civil like benefits of super civilized society and everything like we have but we've paid the price and like the price is like the us literally destroying the planet like yeah among other things among other things yeah absolutely absolutely and it's yeah it is there's weird mythologies around it and lack of mythologies around it and it's just not it's not the thing that people are paying attention to yeah and we need a new one and we need a new one big time big time maybe honestly let's end on a optimistic note maybe something like (laughs) space travel can will make it extra clear like okay yeah we or or just like the you know from chaos comes order maybe the realization like once the world is flooded with natural disasters it's like okay yeah it's it's real it turns out we do need to respect this planet there's the suffering we have to suffer no seriously yeah actually though (laughs) then we'll take it seriously and then from chaos comes order exactly it's like yeah yeah. I don't know, but I'm waiting anyway. for the suffering of the the heat wave to hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all suffering. Anyway. Yeah. I, there's been yeah. a lot of suffering, not a lot of bliss. That's no, I'm, that's wait, I'm waiting for that. That's yeah, true. I haven't had much yeah. bliss. Well, actually, I have, but only very well <laughs> collectively because I, I dropped that. Collectively, yes, there, we're, there we're waiting on the bliss. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. hopefully it's coming up soon. Cause yeah, shit. yeah, I can't okay. that. <laughs> there you have it, people. Uh, go read some myths. <laughs> um, <laughs> This was chapter one, by the way. Yeah. And I think I, my current plan is to make the rest of the chapter. I'm going to release this one, I think, to the public. And then I'm going to okay. put the rest on Patreon. So if okay. you like this, Solid. there's more where that came from. Um, so get to that. Hopefully I've set it up by now. But um, 
without further ado, I think that wraps up another successful podcast. We've solved, I think, the world's problems. Absolutely. Big time. W- yeah. We didn't, we're this we're is, doing it. We've gone beyond finding definitive interpretations for fiction, and we have now <laughs> solved the problem, which is the story of the world. So um, I think for that, we deserve five stars, don't you? I think so. I think, Absolutely. I, don't think, I, too I much think five stars for. for that. Big time. And, and maybe follow me on Instagram at Big Nate's Book Reviews, you know? But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, do it, thanks. your listener. It, yes, please. <laughs> exactly. It's official now. It's official. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for listening to Big Nate Short Story Club, home of the best short story clothes.